Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take all one word in the promo box and you'll be eligible to win $100 courtesy of my take radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 158, for Thursday, October 11th, 2012. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, our call-in number 347-324-3541. Now, of course, today would have been a day that there wouldn't have been an episode of MTR because we would have been a Comic-Con, but clearly, since they clearly hate us, they... Um, we are doing the live show today. I will tell you, though, that Slick had the opportunity to go to Comic-Con today, and he got to share a lot of really cool shit that he saw, and he may or may not have some stuff for the site. We'll see how that pans out, but I'm glad to know that at least he had a good time as a fan, not having the rigors of work behind him, which was kind of cool. I will say this, though, that the it just felt weird to me just seeing everybody there and all the stuff, but... In a way, I kind of just felt relieved because we needed to get a lot of equipment and a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's a a double-edged sword, so to speak. Yeah, I'm pissed that they fucked us over after three years of, you know, doing doing cons for them and and covering these events and, you know, investing time and energy and stuff. And yeah, you know, I'm definitely pissed about it, but we're at the stage now where it's the point of no return and we can't do shit about it. So... It is what it is. But there's a lot of stuff I do want to talk about. Um, First off, we have a couple of little milestones I want to address. First off, uh, My Take Radio is nominated for a Stitcher Award. For those of you that are Stitcher users and would like to also help in the nominations, you can go to Stitcher's website, Stitcher.com, and look at the 2012 Stitcher Awards. Uh, You have from now until October 19th to nominate and One thing I do got to tell you guys is that they do the verifications using Facebook, so you're going to have to connect Facebook to participate. There's 19 categories for which they are nominating shows. For us, it would be under gaming, uh, sports, and entertainment. I think somebody nominated us under entertainment or 
gaming one of the two because i got the confirmation that they did but again if you want to help us out nominate us for a stitcher award go to stitcher.com like i said you unfortunately have to link your facebook to it but we'd appreciate the votes nonetheless uh voting is open well nominations i should i should say are open from now until october 19th after which the voting will begin on october 22nd so all the nominations lead to all the voting so for those of you that have nominated us already, thank you. For those of you that have not or are interested in doing so, like I said, go to Stitcher.com for all the information. We'll be putting up a post this weekend, walking everybody through it. That way it'll be a little easier. The cool thing is that it, the winners will be announced at a Stitcher event later on this year, and obviously they'll go out there to accept their awards. But here's the crazy thing. It's not just the Stitcher awards that were up that we're involved in, but they're also the podcast awards, which are completely different because that's uh, broken up into 22 different categories. And this is the eighth year of the podcast awards. There's obviously uh, special categories like people's choice and best produced, but as usual, there's entertainment, there's gaming, there's sports, all the usual stuff we cover. There's also, I believe there's movies as well. The only thing is that you can nominate in one of the two, uh, you can't nominate multiple categories. you got to choose one category for the podcast awards. I'll be putting up that information as well. So if you guys want to nominate us again, we'd really appreciate it. I'd also want to take the opportunity to acknowledge all our new fans on the fan page. A lot of you guys are very active with your likes and your comments. And we really appreciate it. The numbers continue to grow, which is always cool. Um, like always, if there's something that you you feel is lacking on the fan page, we invite you guys to... Uh, share your thoughts either by emailing me mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or using the message button on our fan page we enabled that for a reason so if there's certain things you want to reach out to us for that you don't want to publish directly on the fan page there is a message option for that also and this is this is crazy i'm not a guy to talk about numbers often but this particular number jumped out at me and i came um it, it was brought to my attention earlier today we are but 7,060, I'd like to say 6,900 or 7,000 downloads away from reaching 100,000 downloads. That's a combination of Blog Talk Radio and iTunes, all the usual stuff, you know, Libsyn, all that stuff, and Blog Talk Radio. I'm very proud of this accomplishment. Obviously, we've been doing this um since 2006 took that brief hiatus came back in 2009 strong and from 2009 in three years we've pretty much almost hit a hundred thousand downloads so I'm, I'm very proud of that number and like i said and i mentioned this when i posted it on my facebook on my personal facebook it's it's not a brag i'm i'm very proud that i can give you guys some some entertainment that has made you guys stick with us for you know, a hundred thousand downloads, whether it's a, a person downloading the show once or a person downloading the show every week. I appreciate every one of you that do that. So again, that's really big. And I'm proud to share that with you guys. Now, last but not least, if you've been by MTR.com, obviously, well, I wish it was MTR.com. Some asshole in Sri Lanka doesn't want to get off that URL, but that's another story. Anyway, if you've been by the site, you notice that we are pink for breast cancer awareness month. And we published a post for our second annual Brawling for Boobies community gaming event. 
Uh, that's going to be starting next week, probably that Tuesday, the 16th, and a couple of days all the way through the end of the month. I did want to start the event earlier in the month, but we decided to do something different by having our very own customized uh, breast cancer awareness ribbon done, fully endorsed by Komen for the Cure. And the reason we did that was for a couple of reasons. Obviously, doing this event annually, it needed to start becoming an identity in itself instead of it just being something with a pink ribbon and our and our logo splattered all over it. I just felt that if we were going to continue doing this every year, it was just going to look kind of tacky doing that shit. I mean, I've seen people do it and whatever, more power to them. But I just came to, to that realization that if we're going to keep doing this, we're going to do it right so we decided to have a custom ribbon done, which many of you have seen throughout the branding on our Facebook fan page, on Twitter, uh, my personal Facebook, um, Andrea's, Slick's. A lot of people have been changing it for their, using the ribbon for their avatars. And again, I appreciate the show of support with that. If you guys would like to add the ribbons to your avatars, we can definitely work something out with that. And you're welcome to do so. Uh, a brief history about the ribbon. Um, obviously, it's in the shape of a girl. I didn't want to do something as lame as a stick figure or something something totally out of proportion. I wanted something that would embody MTR and remind people that it was still for breast cancer awareness while keeping the MTR message front and center. Uh, it's not often. I, I guess you could say that the ribbon is the mascot, and as such, it's uh, and it's a lady, so she's named Ivy. That's that's what we call the mascot. Her name is Ivy, and the reason I did that is it's uh, because of my mom's initials were I and V, and that was kind of like the motivator for us to do this, hence why we named the mascot Ivy. So if you read the announcement on the site and you're asking yourself what the who or what the fuck is Ivy, it is the the ribbon lady that is holding a controller and displaying the MTR logo proudly on her shirt. Anyway... The Brawling for Boobies tournament will be over the course of the remaining few days in the month of October, and it's just gonna be it's just gonna be fun community gameplay, nothing crazy. And as always, anybody and everybody is welcome to join and play. It's gonna be on Xbox Live. Right now, we got a couple of titles narrowed down, including Marvel vs. Capcom 3, uh, Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition. We may be going with Marvel vs. Capcom Origins, and also most likely given another shot at UFC Undisputed, and maybe we may throw in some Tekken Tag and a couple of other fighting game titles. Uh, the reason why a lot of the dates aren't in sequence is because there's a couple of days in between where I have to do some stuff and cover some events for the site, but most of the dates that are on there are pretty much ironclad unless things change, and of course I'll let you guys know that. But anyway, it's not mandatory to donate this year to participate, so anybody is welcome to do so, but... On the same note, if you would like to donate and participate, we welcome that. And if you don't want to play any games and want to donate, you can do that as well. You can find all the information on MyTakeRadio.com, as well as our official Coleman for the Cure donation page. Like I said in previous events, and I've said it also in the announcement, we have no involvement with any of the money. All the funds that are donated, everything that comes through this through this event is handled directly by Komen for the Cure. That's one of the reasons why I'm very proud to be partnered with them because it keeps any any dishonesty from from coming up in in any sort of of topic of conversation. Nobody can say, "Oh, you know, 
The money isn't going to the source. Nope, you are donating directly to the source. We're just a conduit to get the donations there. Simple as that. Like I said, it's all fighting games. I, of course, because it's brawling for boobies. Um, somebody actually messaged me last week asking if I was going to do something maybe with first-person shooters. Maybe next year we may try and do something with first-person shooters. Um, of course, with proceeds going to breast cancer awareness. If we decide to do that, I will let you guys know. But this year, we're going to continue with the theme that we've done before. And like I said, eight-player lobbies in most of these games, and it's always a fun time. Um, Our friends from Unveil last year had Noel Brown on board. He played a couple of games, a pro player testing his skills. It gave a lot of our listeners and our staff the opportunity to try their their play at some of the best, uh, one of the best guys on the circuit. So we had a really good time with that. Again, further details, mytakeradio.com. All right, now, MMA this week was very, very crazy. A lot of different things went down that I want to discuss. Um, First and foremost, we had uh, the UFC event. We had the Ultimate Fighter. But the first thing I want to talk about um, is the UFC event because there was a lot going on with that. And um, we also had the Invicta event, which I'm going to get a little bit into. But if you want the full story, you can always check out Ben's write-up on MyTakeRadio.com with regards to that. But without further ado, let's get MMA started. MMA's, uh, the MMA segment is brought to you by MMA Warehouse. Make sure to get all your favorite fighter gear, rash guards, fight shorts, and anything else at MMAWarehouse.com. You can also check out their banner on MyTakeRadio.com. Let's get the ball rolling. All right. Now, here's the here's the thing with MMA this week. We had the UFC on FX5 event, which had a lot going on. We had the Jeremy Stevens situation with Eve Edwards, and that was just insane because Jeremy Stevens got incarcerated shortly before the event, and that just threw things for a tailspin. But I do want to talk about a couple of really great fights that were on that card. One of the things that a lot of people complain about with free TV cards is that they always throw the quote-unquote garbage fights in there which is not necessarily the case a lot of times it's it's really solid fights that end up just going under the radar and we had some good fights on that card which really really delivered on uh, Mike Pierce and Aaron Simpson was a fantastic fight ending with a vicious KO uh, from Mike Pierce especially because Aaron Simpson was very dominant in the first round it was a really solid fight also I was shocked with the Danny Castillo Michael Johnson fight uh, Michael Johnson secured the victory via KO in in, in, in spectacular fashion. It was really, really good. Um, Justin Edwards and Josh Neer also delivered a solid fight. I was surprised that Josh Neer lost just because he's such a good fighter. Wow, I should have silenced my phone because that was obnoxiously loud. Apologize for that. Anyway, as I was saying, uh, Josh Neer, I expected him to really handle himself in this fight, but Justin Edwards... Caught him with a guillotine submission, 45 seconds in round one. John Dodson also had a coming out party in this card. Uh, beautiful fight with a TKO. Definitely making a case for himself to challenge for the flyweight title. Jay Haran and Jake Ellenberger was a solid fight from start to finish. I honestly thought that Haran had the first and the third, but it looked, you know, the judges saw it differently. 
giving it to Ellenberger. I think, especially in the first round, Haran looked really good. Um, only because there was Ellenberger was definitely looking for his range, trying to get himself in his groove. And like I said, Haran looked really good in the first round. In the third, um, definitely, it might have been mixed. People might have seen it differently. But again, I really thought Jay Haran took that fight. And I was bummed only because, you know, Jay Haran's had such a, a bad string of luck lately. And I was really hoping he'd come in there and secure himself a victory. But again, you don't leave it in the hands of the judges. Last but not least, Travis Brown taking on Antonio Bigfoot Silva. Another massive performance from the giant coming out and just murder death kill just taking it to Travis Brown it was it was nasty you know it's Bigfoot's first UFC win it breaks his losing streak and it gives Travis Brown his first loss um again solid solid card very impressed with a lot of the fighters on this card like I said Antonio Silva definitely as John Dodson as well delivered amazing amazing performances now on to the ultimate fighter which this week was kind of, well, this past Friday, it was almost pushing me to stop watching the show. Not because the show isn't good, but just because, like I said, it's it's really, really lost its edge. So let's get into the Ultimate Fighter. So this week, well, this past Friday's fight saw Bristol Marunde from Team Carwin taking on Julian Lane from Team Nelson. Um, Bristol Marunde looked really good in this fight. Obviously, he fought in Strike Force, and he was coming in, which is, again, one of those things that I kind of have mixed feelings about. These guys, they're making their way up, and Bristol Marunde was a guy he fought in Strike Force. I know that because I remember the guy's name. And now to see him on The Ultimate Fighter, it's a little weird. Um, he secured a victory via unanimous decision. Next week, um, of course, we get a fight in the house and we start getting some conflict, which they got to start pushing because there's really not much helping this season. And it's really shameful for me to say it. Um, ben has been on record multiple times saying that the, that the Ultimate Fighters just completely lost its way. And this episode definitely was pushing me in the direction of removing it completely off my DVR. I, I would rather just watch the international editions um, with Australia and the UK, which are far more entertaining and there's far more violence. Um, for me, the thing is that I got to, not only for the show, but just because I try to hold out glimpses of hope that there's going to be a, a, a big turnaround for the show and we'll just get four or five episodes of solid fights and, and good storytelling, but it doesn't seem to be the case. I think, honestly, and I've said this before, the Ultimate Fighter needs to take at least a year off, maybe two, refocus, look at a deeper talent pool, and then take it from there. That's how I see it. Um, other than that, like I said, just a lackluster season. Very, very lackluster. Now, let's get into the rest of the MMA news for this week. Uh, we got some nice bonuses handed out from UFC on FX5. Knockout of the night went to Michael Johnson, which I was shocked because it could have gone to uh, Dodson. Uh, ben uh, went on record in the chat saying that the Do that Dodson's KO was sick, but um, I guess Michael Johnson was the was the man to get the KO of the night. Submission of the night went to Justin Edwards, and fight of the night went to Diego Nunez and Bart Paulshevsky, which is fine in my opinion. This weekend we got Bellator seventy six ten bouts that it goes down tomorrow. Well, not this weekend, tomorrow night 
the main card is going to be on MTV2. The prelims will probably be on Spike.com. Uh, Wagner Fabiano is going to be fighting. Uh, Cody Bollinger. Eddie Alvarez is also going to be fighting. He's going to be taking on uh, Patricky Pitbull Ferrer, which is going to be a ridiculous fight. Eddie, I'm a, I'm a big Eddie Alvarez fan. He's he, he's always always an exciting fighter to watch. So if you got MTV2, you want to give Bellator a shot. Next year, Bellator is moving to Spike TV. So if you want to get yourself acquainted, MTV2 tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Now, a lot of things happened with UFC on FX. Uh, besides the Jeremy Stevens situation, we also had the Dennis Hallman situation, which which was insane on so many levels. Um, Dennis Hallman was going through some personal problems. He got released from his contract, and he got his full fight purse paid. Hallman released a statement that he's dealing with some custody issues with his wife. There's some substance abuse issues that his wife has, if I remember correctly, from the statement he put out. And it's a... Um, it's 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 really a sad situation. I got to give Dana White props for doing the right thing because he knew the guy was going through some tremendous personal issues. It was a it was a cool thing to do, um, especially when you're giving the guy his full win purse, which is sixty thousand dollars. So hopefully Dennis Hallman he gets him, him his situation straightened out, um, especially when it comes to to his kids. I wish him nothing but the best. It's unfortunate it went the way it went, but I'm glad that at least the UFC did right by him. Now, the last couple of months, I'll, I'll be honest, I've been clowning Dave Bautista, clowning him. Well, Dave Bautista, if you go by his real name, been clowning him left and right, obviously, because he's old and because, you know, he's a wrestler coming into MMA at the age of 40, his training regimen, which I said training, training once a week, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I have to commend him because the guy just loves the sport of mixed martial arts. He has a uh, Caesar Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Academy down in Florida. The guy, the guy loves the sport. Anyway, he went to debut this past weekend. His original opponent was popped for a probation violation, so he ended up fighting a guy named Vince Lucero. He's a 40-fight MMA veteran. Took the fight on weeks' notice. Seriously, weeks' notice. Um, Batista took the took the fight to the guy, ended up securing the victory via TKO. I will tell you, though, that initially Batista was eating a bunch of shots because I actually saw some videos somebody posted. But then he, he got himself in the clinch. He managed to weather the storm, secured a takedown, easily mounted the dude, and then it was just unanswered punches left and right. And again, something totally out of character, at least that I got to say. I got to give Batista credit. He donated his entire purse to... Uh, charity for cancer so much respect to that i'm surprised he held out the way he did and he looked he looked good i mean the guy knows and he said it in an interview recently that he's not gonna go and win any kind of a belt and that's fine i respect that that's cool that he did that but again questions were raised based on how he was looking to get into the sport what kind of a fight he was looking for some people are saying oh well you know of course he looked decent out there he fought a can whether he fought a can or didn't fight a can, the fact is that once you step into that cage, you're you're equal with everybody else that's in there. As somebody who's outside of the cage, I can't I can't base my assumptions on that because I've never fought in the octagon or in a cage of any sort. So again, the guy's not going to win any championships. Who knows? He may not make it to the UFC. I doubt that unless he goes on the Ultimate Fighter and some crazy shit happens or he goes to Bellator. But the guy's doing what he loves. He, clearly, he's a fan of the sport. He wants to support the sport. And if he's 
able to give the sports impressed, and fuck it. You know, who am I to judge? Now, Invicta FC, got to talk about this. Free card on their website. A lot of great fights. They also crowned their first Adam Weight champion. Just, just the best part of the entire card was the fact that not every fight went to lame decisions or any kind of shit. We had triangle chokes, rear naked chokes. We had TKOs via punches, TKOs via strikes, armbar submissions, uh, knee knee knockouts, which was ridiculous. The um, Joanne Calderwood, Ashley Cummins fight had a knockout in the first round via knee. Um, Jessamine Duke also she got her victory via armbar. Just tremendous, tremendous fights. And the thing about it is that a lot of guys out there still kind of hardcore, um, super masculine. Oh, you know, fucking girls fighting. It's bullshit. It's it's not. It's not. These girls go out there and they they put on some fights that if you've watched the UFC within the last three or three to six months, you'd say, wow, the quality of the fights that they're putting on haven't compared to what, you know, to what goes down with the the UFC and Bellator and, and men's MMA in general. So I applaud Invicta for putting on a great card again, giving it away for free. All signs are pointing to them getting some sort of a TV deal. I hope it happens. They honestly, if if Strike Force were 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 to go by the wayside and Dana White was to absorb that roster, but still want to dip his finger in women's MMA, I, I'd say throw some money behind Invicta to make sure that they continue to deliver solid fights. But again, throw some money at it, but don't mess with it. I think that you know Shannon Knapp is doing a tremendous job with the organization, and she should definitely continue to steer it in the direction it's going. Speaking of Strike Force, which we were talking about earlier, Ben messaged me about this, and it's been making the rounds throughout the um, various MMA websites. The November 3rd Strike Force card is just completely in flux. Daniel Cormier was supposed to fight Frank Mir. Frank Mir's injured. Luke Rockhold was supposed to defend his title against Lorenz Larkin. Now he's injured. Um, Sarah, Mc, uh, Sarah McMahon, who was supposed to take on Liz Carmouche, she's injured now. So... A lot of crazy things are happening because obviously Strike Force canceled the first event that Gilbert Melendez was supposed to be involved in because he got injured. And with two fights already in jeopardy, all signs are pointing are pointing towards Strike Force, uh, Showtime and Strike Force pulling the plug on this card. Clearly right now they're saying it's not going to happen, but um Inside MMA was talking about it and saying that Strike Force as a promotion it's on its last legs. I don't know how to how to even take that, especially, like I said, you got Ronda Rousey and they're trying to get this fight with Cyborg, and you got a, a couple of great fighters in the organization, but clearly it's not enough. Like I've said before, and I continue to stand by it, you need to start sending some of these guys to Strike Force. You need to do it because you're talking about oh we don't we want to keep Strike Force around, we want to keep it active, but we're but you guys are complaining about a deep ass roster. Send some of these guys to Strike Force. Send them down there so that they can fill out that roster and keep the promotion alive. Otherwise, you're clearly looking to pull the plug. And if that's the case, then there goes any mainstream appeal of women's MMA as well. You know, Ronda Rousey, who Dana White is sweating so much, she's not going to have a stage to perform on. And what are you going to do? Bring the females into the UFC now after all the shit you talked? It's not going to work. It's not. Ben Ben clearly wants Strike Force to get fucking thrown in the gutter and stomped to death, and 
I can understand Ben's take on the situation, but for me, I feel that you got too many ta- too many talented guys, not only in Strike Force but in the UFC, that you just can't fit on television. So start moving those guys down there. You know, do that. Or Ben agrees with me about putting some money behind Invicta and making that a promotion that you can get behind. But Strike Force right now, obviously on life support. The other story that made news that a, a ton of news these last couple of days has been the unfortunate release of Demarcus Johnson. Demarcus Johnson fought at UFC on Fuel TV Five. He fought on twelve days' notice. He lost in a first round via rear naked choke. Uh, Demarcus Johnson failed to make weight for the bout. He weighed one hundred and eighty-three pounds, and the fight was set at one hundred and seventy-five pound catch weight. Now he's coming off this fight. He's coming into this fight following a really, really violent knockout that he sustained at the hands of Mike Swick, which took place 56 days prior to the loss on the Fuel Show. Now, people are saying, you know, Demarcus Johnson, he did the right thing. He went up there, he, he, he stepped up, he did the right thing for the company, and they fucked him when he lost. I can understand that. So, MMAfighting.com got a statement from, of course, the matchmaker for the UFC, Joe Silva, and it's crazy the way things went down because according to what Silva's saying is that the the way it went down, he was supposed to offer the fight to Rich Antonito. Rich Antonito said, oh, we're going to do the fight at 170. He ended up calling back. His manager called back um, Silva and said, he told Joe Silva, listen, he can't make 170. So Joe Silva said, all right, we'll do it at 175. He's like, all right, we'll do it. Next day, dude calls back again, says, listen, he can't make 175. So Joe Silva gets pissed off. He cuts Rich Antonito. So Rich Antonito's out of here. Next up, he goes, he calls Demarcus Johnson. He says, listen, can he make the fight at 170? He's like, you know, I weigh 210 right now, so I don't think I can make 170. So Silva goes, all right, we'll offer, the, we'll offer you the 175 catchweight bout. But he also told his manager what went down with Rich Antonito. Clearly, DeMarcus came in weighing at 183. He missed weight by 8 pounds for a catchweight fight. Because he missed weight, he had to give up 20% of his money, which he gave up to Nelson in the fight. Right after that went down, he got cut. So the reason that he was he was cut, basically, is because we give you the fight at the catchweight because you say you can't make 170. But you can't make 175 either. So it's an issue that you committed to making that weight and you couldn't do it. And I, I got to commend Demarcus Johnson because he said it. He's like, look, no excuses. Number one, I should have won the fight. Number two, I shouldn't have taken the fight if I wasn't sure I'd be able to do it. He said it. My own arrogant thinking got me thinking that I can lose 27 pounds. In, uh, he said um, my arrogant thinking got me to think that I can lose 35 pounds or 30 pounds in, in, in seven days. He was close. He lost 27, but of course that wasn't enough. And it's unfortunate, but I'm sure Demarcus Johnson, he'll go, he'll get a couple of wins under his belt. He'll be back in the UFC. I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. I, I like watching him fight. He's exciting. He seems like a super cool dude. He comes out of a really good camp. He has good management and it's unfortunate that things went the way they went, but when you're put in this situation where they're offering you the fight, not even at your own weight, but at catch weight, and you still come over, it's, it's a fucking problem. It is a problem. 
Now, before I wrap up MMA for this week, I did want to talk about a, an incident involving Pat Barry, who actually admonished a fan at an event because they were booing the fighters. And since since he admonished that fan and it made its way around the internet, it's been a pretty mixed uh, mixed reaction. Some people are saying Barry did the right thing, you know, supporting supporting his, his fellow brothers in, in fighting, and that's fine. Others are saying, you know, Pat Barry's a fucking bitch, and he shouldn't have done that. Either way, the way I see it is that he put himself in a situation where he's a representative of the sport. He was doing his best to kind of educate the fan in a way that it's like, look, man, you know, we go out there, we bust our asses for you guys, and you're booing us for, for nothing. Like, th- there's more to the story, but in essence, the way I see it is if you buy a ticket, you're entitled to cheer, you're entitled to boo. What I don't like is when the fights are actually good and you just boo for the sake of booing for no fucking reason. If you don't like one of the guys, yeah, you're entitled to boo. But just to boo the fight for the sake of doing so is just, it's kind of bullshit. It just detracts from the presentation of the event. These fucking guys are going in there to bleed for you. They're putting their lives on the line. They're going in there for you, for us, the fans. And sometimes it's just a, it's a fine line. It really is. Me personally, I'm of the camp that if the fight is no good, it's no good. And and if I got a boo, I'll boo. But I'm not just gonna be I'm not gonna be obnoxious with the shit because it just doesn't work. But in any event, Pat Barry's been all over the place this week, and he's been on a couple of shows. He's been stating his case. He's done a couple of video blogs about it. I like Pat Barry, so I'm not gonna shit on the dude. I really like him, but I I can understand where he's coming from. I actually want to get Pat on the show because he's a, he's a big Street Fighter fan and he's a gamer and I'm sure he, and also not only that he loves kung fu flicks so I know that if he comes on we're going to be talking about the most insane shit for an hour or so so if we finalize that of course I will let you guys know. All right, that's going to wrap up this week's MMA segment. Let's talk wrestling cuz there is a lot of shit to talk about, especially regarding Raw. <laughs> All right, My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Make sure to go there, enter either WWE Save 10 or WWE AFF 15. AFF 15 is to save $15 off orders of $100 or more. Save 10 is to save $10 off of orders of $70, of up to $70. Both codes are valid until October 31st, so if you want to go... Get yourself that new CM Punk shirt. Maybe get yourself the Heyman guy shirt. Some John Cena pink wristbands. Maybe a Divas championship to hang in your room. Then use some of these promo codes and save yourself some money. Now, let's get right into Raw this week. Because Raw had... Here's the crazy thing with Raw. Raw started off decent. Started off very, very decent. Then it just took a turn into Weirdville, then it came back full circle. First off, the handicap match with my favorite tag team, the Goya Brothers, the only poncho, serape-wearing Puerto Ricans that I know, took taking on Ryback, which 
obviously we know that if Ryback is involved and he's fighting two two people, whether it's two guys, two different tag teams, whatever the case may be, somebody's getting beat up terribly. And in this case, once again, it was the Colons as um, they were nicknamed during uh, one particular tag team feud. Fuck, I forgot who it was. And they were being called the Colons at the time instead of the Colons. Either way, totally bummed out to see these guys jobbed out to uh, the big hungry, as he's being called, only because, like I said, you're you're trying to rebuild the tag team division, you're trying to do something right, and you make these guys jobber fodder. These are guys who were tag team champions, they got a storied history, especially because you see JBL on the mic, yeah, they were tag team champions in Puerto Rico, yeah, they held all these belts in Puerto Rico, they're, they're, they're caliber athletes, which is basically WWE's way of saying, these guys aren't complete jobbers, but... We're going to book them as such for this match. Look, I understand. You want to strap a back, uh, a rocket to Ryback's back and, and, and shoot him up into the fucking stars. I got that. But at the expense of some of the more established tag teams that you have, you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't. Job out some of these other guys. You want to you do that? Just job out Tensai every week. Nobody gives a shit about that guy. But seriously, there's, there's no necessity for you to take your tag teams and run them through the ringer. The tag team tournament was it was it was hit and miss. Obviously, the primetime players, Rey Mysterio and Sin Cara, were I actually expected them to give the victory to the primetime players just because they're pushing those guys too. But clearly, it's easier to give the victory to Sin Cara and Rey Mysterio because they want to keep giving them momentum leading up to Rey Mysterio's quote unquote eventual heel turn. So take that for what it's worth. I mean Again, I think the wrong team came out on the winning end this time. The primetime players need the belts. They need the belts to validate them as as a threat in the tag team division. There are certain people, and I've talked about this before, that they, they, they need the belt. They thrive on the belt because it's going to be what makes them just a household name. Like a guy like, let's look at it like this. John Cena doesn't have the belt. And he's still valid. People still care about him. It doesn't really matter. CM Punk could lose the belt tomorrow and his reaction from the fans would still be just as passionate as it's been with him holding the belt. Now you look at a guy like Dolph Ziggler. Everybody likes him. The guy's a tremendous worker. He has the money in the bank briefcase, but to finally put the exclamation point on him as a performer, he needs that belt. He does. Needs it. Now, Kips is saying that he wants Daniel Bryan and Kane to keep the belts forever because they're comedy gold. I agree 100% they are. But you know what the funny thing is? Even with those guys not having the belts, you can still do a lot with them. Because making the, making the faces chase for the titles is just as fun as making them champions. A lot of guys, they get the belt and they just become fucking boring. Example of that? Sheamus. Sheamus without the belt, in my opinion, is a better performer than with the belt. Because, again, he's reached that point where the belt is just an accessory for him. He's not—he's no longer at the stage where he needs the belt to validate himself as a main event player. Now, he's just boring as shit. But, they're starting to really tease some really great programs with Sheamus. Last week having him take on Sandow. This week having him take on Barrett in some really, really great matches. Um, especially this week. Him taking on Barrett was fantastic from start to finish. 
involving Tenzai was was kind of cool, obviously, because it gives it gives Sheamus something to to look forward to, either by putting him in a small program with Tenzai, leading up to a, a full feud with Barrett. And I will say this: he took a bump in that match where he was kicked through the ropes, where his head bounced off the mat. I thought he had a concussion based on what it was. Luckily, he didn't. But it was definitely a scary spot. I think Sheamus needs to be involved in matches like this. He needs to be involved in matches that are hard-hitting, that are bruiser-style. You can't put him in there with a guy as vanilla and boring as fucking Mr. Rourke. You can't put him in there with Alberto Del Rio. He's fucking boring. You could cover Alberto Del Rio in, in tar and feathers and have him run around the ring, and it would not be interesting because he is a fucking dullard. He stinks. The only thing that makes Del Rio worth watching is Ricardo Rodriguez. I've said that a thousand times. Take away Ricardo Rodriguez, Alberto Del Rio is boring. He is a soap opera gimmick that comes out there and tries to be JBL and fails miserably. How are you a luchador that doesn't use Lucha Libre style offense? How is that possible? Obviously, probably the WWE said, you know, you got to change your offense. But again... You're known for, for Lucha Libre, and you come out there and you wrestle like shit. You're, you're, it's, it's disgusting to me. It's disgusting that you squander a guy like Rodriguez who's wrestling under a mask. He did that, I believe, during the, the Saturday morning show on the CW. He's, he's gifted on the mic. He can do really great stuff. Hell, he was on color commentary, and he sounded like a natural. He sounded like a complete natural behind the microphone. And you just squander him playing playing tattoo to Mr. Rourke with Alberto Del Rio. It's disgusting to me. And Del Rio's just boring. He is a boring, boring dude. I understand that you're doing Mir Mascaras a solid by keeping him around, but he stinks. He needs to be repackaged and put in a better gimmick. Having him run around as a fake JBL is ridiculous. And it's funny because on commentary, they actually tried to clown JBL. He's like, hey, you know, Del Rio comes out in his fancy cars, blah, blah, blah. JBL, why didn't you do that? And JBL delivered a perfect comeback. He said, Del Rio can come out in all these expensive cars showing he has money, but guess what? I had somebody drive me. I didn't need to drive my own car. Somebody drove me out. And that was, as as subtle as it was, was definitely a knock against Del Rio's gimmick. JBL was like, look, man, I don't need to drive out there to show you I got money. I get driven out. That's the kind of dude I am. And... And like I said, it was it was so perfect in, in execution that I was just I was speechless. I was like, holy shit, he, he has a point. Del Rio's rich man gimmick can't even be can't even be done correctly. He comes out there like like it's a car show and then wrestles one of the most boring matches of the night. It's it's bullshit. It really is complete bullshit. Speaking of which, Cesaro, Antonio Cesaro, you put him in these matches every week. Uh this week he took on Tyson Kidd. Putting anybody in a match with Tyson Kidd, who every time the poor guy comes out, they say, Tyson Kidd is super talented. Tyson Kidd is a graduate of the Hard Dungeon. Tyson Kidd this. Tyson Kidd that. What are you doing with him? Absolutely nothing. You job him out to Cesaro, who who had a really good match with all people, Brodus Clay, and it just it, you put him in this match. It's, it's a mismatch on so many levels. Cesaro's a bigger guy. He's the champion. And it's going to look like a glorified squash. There's no way for you to make it look anywhere near competitive because you're putting him in there with a guy who looks like a kid next to him. I mean, it's no joke. And and again, 
Kip's in the chat on fire. Tyson Kidd would have a bright future if he didn't get shit on every night. He is 100% right. The kid, you book him, hey, he's, he's a graduate of the Heart Dungeon. Just on that premise alone, you know that the guy is a tremendous worker. If you feel that he, that he lacks in mic skills, give him a mouthpiece. Give him somebody who can speak for him. You wanted to put him in a tag team with Justin Gabriel. One week they're a tag team, one week they're not. Figure that shit out. Because Justin Gabriel's another guy. Totally underutilized. His mic work, not that good. But you know what? He, the, the fans like him. He's, li- he's a likable guy. That's how it is. And, and Kips, again, beats Tensai, then job out in a tag team match one night, then a singles match the next week after beating Tensai. All that shit to build him up beating Tensai, and then he gets shit on the next week. And again, Cesaro doesn't need these wins. He doesn't need squashes. The guy has the belt. He is validated for the time being. Put the guy in a solid program. That's what you need to do. The tag team title match with Del Rio and, and Ziggler against Hell No was good just because it was Hell No doing crazy shit, which is good. Just them yelling at each other that they're the tag team champions is, is what you got what you got to look at. That's the, that's the high point. That and the crazy angles that they do. They need to bring back the doctor to kind of help them cope with some of the issues that they've been dealing with. You got to have a lot more fun with those backstage segments than just throwing them in there with matches with guys that they have no business wrestling against. Del Rio has no necessity to be in a, in a tag match with, with no titles on the line, especially if you're not doing anything with them. If you wanted to try and do some tag team wrestling, clearly you got to put Del Rio together with Rodriguez. These losses hurt Ziggler every time. Until he gets the belt, the losses actually hinder his ascension to the upper mid card and then further into the main event. Stop jobbing out Ziggler every week. And if you're going to job out Del Rio, at least put him with Rodriguez and let Rodriguez wrestle. It's not that fucking difficult. Then we got Santino and Zack Ryder taking on the Rhodes Scholars. Let's not kid ourselves at the outcome of this match. Clearly the Rhodes Scholars is, is the way to go. And that's exactly the way it went with the Rhodes Scholars securing the victory. Um, one thing I do got to say that when they when Cody Rhodes cuts a promo... With Damian Sandow, Sandow is just is just fluid. He's perfect on the mic, and Cody Rhodes just seems a little confused. When they were showing the the little video package with them cutting their promos, it just felt like Cody Rhodes was reading off a teleprompter. He just didn't have that he didn't have that fluidness to his promo. Damian Sandow is just it's just magic from start to finish. Guy comes out, he's like, "You're a miscreant, you know, you're an ignoramus." Blah blah blah. Road scholars and you know I like the entrance they come out they shake hands it reminds me of um William Regal when he was in a tag team with Dave Taylor where they'd come out in WCW they'd stand at the top of the ramp at the top of the ramp stare down the crowd and have themselves a nice little handshake just showing that they're better individuals than the rest of us I like that real subtle touch between Sandow and Rhodes when they did that but when it comes to the mic work Cody Rhodes is just being outclassed every time what he needs to do is just stay quiet let Sandow do the mic work and then just chime in with a little verbal jab here and there. Him cutting a full-on promo with Sandow just sounds like shit. Do yourselves a favor. Don't put Cody in front of the microphone. It doesn't work. Then we get the Job Squad 2.0 with Heath Slater, McIntyre, and Jinder Mahal, who are collectively being called the band. Some people are calling them Encore. They came out. They beat up Santino some more. 
They knock out. They knock Zack Ryder out of the ring. I'm hoping that these continual this, these continuous assaults on Santino lead to him just being inducted into the group because you got to do something with him. Santino's another guy whose gimmick has ran its course. He is boring as shit at this point. His comedy gimmick isn't even good comedy anymore. As for as for Slater and the boys, there's potential there. There really is because here's the funny thing. People, they're saying that management likes Slater because he's a team player. He's a company guy, and he's he's pretty decent on the mic, and he has good wrestling ability. Obviously, we know that McIntyre, if Vince McMahon could wipe Drew McIntyre's ass for him with his tongue, he would because he was he was on his nuts completely. Heath Slater, I understand his push. Jinder Mahal is a funny story because in Jinder Mahal's case, and I've said this before, you want to build him as a good heel. You have to stop relying on these foreign gimmicks. Like I've said, the racial overcoats. Oh, look, you want to boo him automatically? Have him speak in Hindi, throw a throw a turban on him, and a really shiny rhinestone jacket. You know how he'll get booed? Let's dress him up as Haji and send him out there, because that's what they do. What That is what they do. Why don't they just have him... And some blonde-haired guy and just have a Johnny Quest and Haji at this point because that's how bad this gimmick is. It is so it is so shitty and so stereotypical that it, it just it just waters down any potential for him as an athlete. And that's the issue. Everybody's like, oh, Jinder Mahal, he's really good. All the work he does in FCW, all the work he does in NXT, he's good. He's he's solid. He does good ring work. And then that's great, but we don't see that. You know what we see? We see a fucking guy that looks more at home in a 7-Eleven than he does in the fucking ring. That, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. It's, 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 it's embarrassing. You see all these guys, and, and you see a lot of these guys in the internet wrestling community. They're like, yeah, Mahali's really good. I saw NXT, or I was at NXT. I don't understand why they're not doing anything with him. Because it's a lot easier to make him look like a complete piece of shit on national television than invest energy into making him look like a solid performer. Maybe putting these three fuckers in this group is what they need. Because Drew McIntyre, nobody's doing nothing with the fucking long-haired Ken doll. Nobody's doing anything with him. So you might as well give him the TV time. But again, if you're going to do these factions and you're going to do these groups, it's got to be a slow burn. Clearly, they they have a beef with Santino. What's the beef? They're going to beat up Santino every week. Why don't they elaborate as to why they do it? That's a huge plot hole. Oh, we're just going to beat up Santino every week because he has a shitty haircut and a shitty Italian accent. And we're just going to beat him up every week. That's why. It It doesn't help. It doesn't help elaborate on the storytelling when they just beat him up every week for no reason. It's stupid. And it, and it's a it's a it's a gaping plot hole. It is a pink sock style plot hole. In in continuity, it is no continuity whatsoever. We're just gonna beat him up because we can. It's stupid. That only worked with the NWO because they hated everybody. But these guys, they just seem to only hate Santino. Anyway, we could talk about the Divas Championship match, but we're not because Caitlyn. Obviously, they've been telling Caitlyn, hey, don't lift weights anymore. We want you to look more model and less fitness. Doesn't matter. Clearly, very hot looking. Everybody stops. I remember when we were doing the uh, the Facebook commentary, 
I look at my timeline, I see at least 10 different people like, holy shit, Caitlyn is a bad chick. We get it. But guess what? We'll never know how good her wrestling is when she gets jobbed out to Eve Torres every week. It, it's, it's ridiculous. Eve Torres is a Hispanic Navi. I don't understand what the allure is with her. Yeah, she sticks with the company and blah, blah, blah. But seriously, she, her wrestling is shit. You're, you train with the Gracies and you should, be, you should be fluid with your submissions. You should look good in there. That submission you did on Caitlyn looked awkward as shit. The fuck was that? But again, the wrong people are getting the push. Now, CM Punk and Vince McMahon, obviously the slow burn throughout the night, the promo in the beginning. I got to tell you, Vince McMahon is doing some godlike steroids because his vein was as thick as the, sp- as the microphone cable that the microphone for the show is plugged into. It's not human for a guy that old to have veins that big. He is juicing to the point where he, if he dies tomorrow, he'd probably die with a smile on his face and nuts the size of freaking marbles. That's, how, that's, that's where it's going with Vince, but I'll, I'll give you that. The guy for as old as he is goes out there and worked a better match than younger guys on that roster. It was a nice brawl from start to finish. It wasn't a complete, uh, it wasn't just CM Punk decimating Vince. Vince went in there. He looked aggressive. It, um, it looked, it looked solid. It looked legit. Um, the thing that killed me was the fact that in Vince's case, you know, he, he struck Paul Heyman, which obviously is going to be interesting given that Heyman complains to the board of directors practically every week, which may lead to Paul Heyman uh, threatening the company. Maybe Paul Heyman might get made GM. We can only pray that that's the case. But the whole thing with this match was exactly what needed to be accomplished, which was setting up Ryback and or Cena in Hell in the Cell. Cena's recovery from what I've heard And what I've seen on the web is looking incredibly bleak for Hell in the Cell. So having him face Ryback, we know, don't don't get your panties in a bunch out there, guys. Ryback is not getting the belt. Unless Vince McMahon just pulls one out of his ass and says, put the belt on him. As punishment for what happened after the match. After the match was over, CM Punk went into the stands, running from Vince, and... People in the crowd got a little overzealous by putting their hands on Punk, etc., etc. One guy slapped him in the head, and at that point, CM Punk just lost his cool, turned around and socked a guy who was putting on his glasses, who didn't even touch CM Punk. The fallout from this has been the biggest news story of the week, and that's because there's a couple of things I want to talk about with regards to that, and that is the following. The fu- this is how it works. You buy a ticket to a wrestling event. Okay? Stick with me. It's going to be a little long-winded, but you guys will understand. You buy a ticket for a wrestling event, you go. You cheer, you buy merchandise, you get you, you, you jeer guys, you boo guys, whatever the case may be. Depending on the organization that you are there for. So in ECW, I remember seeing ECW at the Elks Lodge. You, you're in the front row. Guy needs a bottle of water to slap an opponent with. You hand him that bottle of water. You give that guy a chair. That's what you do. You are part of the show. Now, that's part of the show at the, at the, at the request of the performer. That's not giving you carte blanche to put your hands on these guys. You can't do it. The same way people hop the rail and catch an ass whooping, 
you buy a ticket. You can be part of the performance as long as it's approved by the performers. Don't go into business for yourself because you're going to get your ass whooped. Now, the guy who got beat up by CM Punk, he was in a wrong place at the wrong time. And what ended up what ends up happening is that allegedly the guy that did hit CM Punk was on Twitter bragging about it. He said he slapped CM Punk in the back of the head the first time, which you can see if you watch the video, there's a point where where CM Punk's head kind of moves forward like when you get slapped in the back of the head and he turns around, he says something and the next thing is that CM Punk turns around and socks the guy. Now, the person who, quote-unquote, is bragging about it on Twitter said that he slapped CM Punk in the back of the head first, then he jabbed CM Punk in the back. And I believe from what Punk has said, he got jabbed by in the kidney area. Now, if anybody's fought competitively or they play fight or whatever and you've gotten hit in the kidney, that shit fucking hurts. You get hit in the kidney area... Depending on how much pressure on what, how much pressure is involved, you could pee blood for a week. Um, you can bruise your kidney. Whatever the case is, so whether whether that's true or not true, that's that's pretty much what CM Punk said happened. Now the guy who got hit, he's not he's not pressing charges initially. Now they're saying that he's contemplating suing the company, which I'm sure if, if WWE didn't do the right thing. Uh, a couple of ambulance chasers, maybe David Otunga himself, called the guy and said, listen, you know, what, what what's lifetime tickets going to get you when you were embarrassed on national television? And it's true, maybe they'll give him lifetime tickets, but how many times are they going to go to Sacramento in a year where the guy's going to, excuse me, where the guy's going to be able to benefit from those tickets? That's another That's another avenue to look at. Should CM Punk have put his hands on a fan? It's up to speculation. If you want to hold anybody accountable, it's security. As soon as CM Punk went into the crowd, security should have been all over that. Security dropped the fucking ball. When Atlas Security did security for ECW and the fight spilled into the stands, those guys were on you immediately. And it wasn't some small Abercrombie and Fitch looking pussy that was doing security. It was a giant meat-fisted bearded guy that would probably smack the shit out of you if you even breathed in his direction. That, that's how it worked. That's how shit went down in, in the old days. Now it's like, depending on the venue, security is a little lax. And, and in this case, security dropped the ball huge in this situation. Now, the one thing that bugs me is the fact that people took these liberties. CM Punk said in a statement that, that he overheard somebody say, oh, you know, push him down, push him down the steps. As a fan, I understand that many of us are spoiled. We are spoiled, and I'll tell you why. We've become infinitely more knowledgeable now than 10 years ago. We know, we know what Mark means. We know what kayfabe means. We know what heat means. We know all the inside terms. We know all the news before they happen. We know all about the signings, personal lives, the works. We have access to these performers now at, on a level that, that you would not expect. And a lot of guys, they take this as an opportunity to go into business for themselves. The fact is, you are a fan. Fan first. Above all, do not put your hands on performers because you will get your ass whooped. And if you're doing it because you want to get a quick payday, you may not be so lucky. There was a guy, I'd say it was six years ago, he picked a fight with the big show in a bar. 
Pick the fight with the Big Show. Big Show's like, look, dude, I'm going to fuck you up. Guy's like, whatever, man, fuck you, blah, 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 you're a piece of shit. Big Show's like, listen, I'm going to hurt you. Leave me alone. I don't know what the guy did. Either he spilled a drink on the Big Show or something. The Big Show mushed him. He didn't even hit him. He mushed him. And just from mushing him, he broke the guy's jaw. Guy goes to the judge, trying to get money, trying to sue. Judge looks at him and goes, you really picked a fight with this guy? You have to be an idiot. The judge, the judge did not honor that in the least because that's what happens. You go out there, you take these liberties with these guys, and like anybody else, they will react. CM Punk, to a degree, it's like, look, if somebody put their hands on you, you're going to retaliate back. Now, here's the crazy thing. He hits the guy with the glasses and then turns his back to the guy and let, leaves it be. Now, if this guy would have been a different kind of individual, he could have kicked CM Punk down them stairs. Or he could have just lunged at CM Punk and whooped his ass. It was, it was a completely out of control situation that could have been avoided had security done their job. Now, CM Punk is on the hot seat, which we'll see what his punishment is, which could lead to him losing the belt. And the other thing is WWE is going to be out some money. Either because they're going to settle with the guy or they're going to have to give the guy lifetime passes, whatever the case may be. If they're smart, Vince McMahon flies the, guys, flies the guy to Stanford, meets with the guy face-to-face, has CM Punk meet with him, apologize to him face-to-face, and then give him a, a check for, for five grand or ten grand and leave it at that and give him a year's worth of merchandise. Something quiet, something not too out of the, out of the ordinary, but just enough that the guy will be like, wow, they really took care of me. That way, you don't got to deal with lawyers, you don't got to deal with negative press, and it doesn't put a black eye on your live event situation. That's how I see it. How it's going to pan out remains to be seen, but there's definitely a, a cloud over the WWE at the moment. Simple as that. Now, let's get into some other wrestling news, because there's a lot of crazy shit going on. I saw in the chat that they were mentioning Kurt Hawkins. Kurt Hawkins is actually injured Unfortunately, he tore his PCL and his meniscus, so he's going to be on the shelf for quite some time. Meniscus tears, especially once they get repaired, it takes a a long, long time to recover. So you will not be seeing Kurt Hawkins for the near future. Now, let's talk about the Hogans. The Hogans are all over wrestling news this week. Obviously, the Hogan sex tape, which we're going to have a couple of laughs with. But Hogan's wife was in the news because she got popped for a DUI. She was arrested at um, 1.30 in the morning last week. She's 53 years old. She was caught driving under the influence. She, ha- she was released on $5,000 bail. She was also booked on driving with a suspended license. Uh, a rep- her representative said that she drank a glass of champagne on an empty stomach and that it, in- that it had a bad reaction with antibiotics that she was taking. So... That seems to be what the story is. Just not a good week for the Hogans with her getting popped for the DUI and the Hulk Hogan sex tape, which here's, here's, the, here's the funny thing with the Hogan sex tape. Obviously, if you haven't seen it, you're probably just going to be horrified. Gawker, Gawker put up a, an edited version, and then, of course, through, through, through the magic of the internet, you can probably find one where, you know you know what, dude, I'm going to drop my trousers, dude, and I'm going to stick it in you, dude. You get me, dude, brother. You know, I could have fun with this for 25 minutes. Anyway, the fact is, here's the, here's the thing. The guy, the, the Bubba the Love Sponge, who we all know and love on the show, 
And his wife, Heather Clem, um, obviously friends with Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was going through a rough patch. Bubba the Love Sponge is like, hey, dude, you're having a rough time. How about you fuck my wife? How about that? You know, that's what friends are for. Why don't you take my wife upstairs and plow her, hit her with the Hogan leg drop? Seriously, that's pretty much the, you know, obviously the conversation wasn't that, wasn't that humorous, but it's like, yeah, dude, just go upstairs and pound out my wife. That's pretty much what happened. So Hogan goes upstairs, pounds out Bubba the Love Sponge's wife, somebody's videotaping it, and right after they finish and everything, Bubba the Love Sponge is on camera talking to his wife like, hey, you know, if this ever got out, we'd be set for life, blah, blah, blah. Like, you can already see the fucking guy, the weasel that he is, just talking about the fact that, yo, if this shit gets out, we are paid. It's like, yo, what? And here's the crazy thing. Hogan, he's been doing the whole big media tour for, for TNA's pay-per-view, and now, of course, he's got to talk about the sex tape, and he talked about it on Howard and a couple of other stations and a couple of other shows. And he called into TMZ Live, and he was like, you know, they actually let him know that, hey, Bubba was on the tape and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, damn, you know, he he, he felt betrayed, et cetera, et cetera. He's looking for legal recourse. But here's the, th- here's the crazy part. When, when you found out that Bubba the Love Sponge videotaped you, and that's the thing. Like, Hulk Hogan's like, oh, you know, I'd be really upset if Bubba had something to do with this. Who the fuck else is going to set up a camera for, for you to fuck his wife? Who? Did Linda Hogan magically teleport into the room and set up a camera? You're you're a fucking idiot, Hogan. If you think that Bubba the Love Sponge did not have that camera set up deliberately to videotape you, fucking his wife. Who does that normally? That is the furthest thing from normal. Hey, dude, I know you're having a rough day. Most friends, if you're if you're having a rough time, they'll take you to a titty bar. Maybe they'll buy you a lap dance. Maybe they'll get you drunk. Maybe they'll take you out to dinner. But no, this guy, hey, here's my wife. Go ahead. Drop drop the big monster on her. It, it was just so weird. It was so awkward. And you could just see Hogan just being normal, like not in character. He's like, you know, I should be home. I should be home and not here. Yeah, well, you're there. You are there. You should be home. No, you are there fucking your friend's wife. That's what you're doing. It's insane. And the crazy part is, like, everybody's like, yeah, well, you know, Hogan was the victim here. Hogan is the victim. He is a guy that let his friend convince him to fuck his wife. That's that's the thing. This is a guy that, you know, 60-year-old man that got convinced, convinced to have sex with his friend's wife. Convinced. Which is insane. How do you convince your friend? to have sex with your wife how does that happen please somebody clarify that to me how does that happen yeah you know i'm gonna you have sex with my wife go ahead i don't get it it's insane it is it is beyond madness but the worst part is and here's the crazy part the tape is already on the web A lot of people are saying that Bubba the Love Sponge had the tape when he left satellite and went back to terrestrial radio. One of his staffers got his hand on the tape, and that's how the tape got out. Again, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, you should blame the staffer. No, you mouth-breathing idiots. You fucking morons. 
you still have to blame Bubba the Love Sponge. You want to know why? Because there was the camera set up in his house. Seriously, any way you slice it, it's his fault. Yeah, I just randomly have a camera in my bedroom because, you know, that that's what we do here. No. No the fuck not. That is not what happens. It's not. On the contrary, what happens is you get caught out there. And now, here's the here's the here's the worst part. Here's the worst part. This happened a long time ago. Now, you're you're newly married. Hogan married that the 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 girl who looks like his daughter, which is creepy in its own right. And then to top it all off, you you marry you marry that chick. This tape comes out, and and what is that doing for his marriage? It's definitely definitely fucking shit up. And then you know Hogan has kids. It, it just look it just looks trashy and creepy and weird. Because how are his kids gonna feel like? Hey, you're going through this divorce with our mom, and you went and you plowed out your your friend's wife. Because that's that's the cool thing to do. You're in a rough patch. We're sorry. I just I I feel bad and sad at the same time. I feel bad to make fun of the poor bastard because he's having a rough time, and I'm sad to see a guy who I was a fan of growing up, and I just gradually grew to dislike as the years went on, just being made a complete mockery of himself. And, and it begs it begs, and you know what the funny thing is? He can't even say. You know, brother, that's not me. There's only one man other than you, and that's Paul Heyman with a skullet. And the fact that your skullet looks like the hair from freaking kid sister from a kid sister doll, we all know it's you. And for those of you that don't get the reference, during the 80s there was a my buddy and a kid sister doll. The kid sister doll, especially the ones that were made blonde-haired and blue-eyed, blue-eyed have hair just like Hogan does now. It's like straw, and it's really creepy. You can't even deny it's you. It's like that gleam off that dome and that kid sister hairdo, and, and the voice alone. It's like you can't get out of it. You can't even lie and say it's not you. We all know. You know what, brother? I'm going to go upstairs, brother, and I'm going to run wild on your wife, dude. Like, that's how pretty much it went down. Anyway, I just got word that Jay Santee is on the line. Which, by the way, we got to congratulate Jay as he joins the MTR family, sharing his independent and mainstream wrestling knowledge with our audience. So be on the lookout for work from Jay in the coming weeks. Let's see what he has to add to the situation. Jay, what's going on, brother? What's going on, Rich? So far, so good. Love to hear what's going on, what you got to say tonight. Man, Hulk Hogan, dude. (laughs) <laughs> I feel I feel so bad for him but 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 then there's that then there's that evil side of me that just doesn't. Well, just to clarify something that I'm saying cuz I'm an avid Howard Stern listener. Uh I pretty much was more to the story that was added on with uh the whole tape issue. But first of all with, with for, for what is being said, Bubba has video cameras all around his house. Uh it, it's been known within the show that he videotapes everything. So apparently someone was able, and it's possibly looking at that, uh, maybe his wife, his ex-wife had, his hand, had her hand in it, that she pretty much was able to get the tape out, you know, and, you know, and what everybody wanted to know was whether or not Hope was involved, and pretty much, we, we pretty much get the understanding that he was not. This, this is what killed him. This is ruining him. Yep. 
he would think about it. Hogan, you know, for the years, you know, his his his, his whole his whole market has been family friendly, kid friendly, and and for him to be let's say to be part of this, it would destroy the franchise. He wouldn't be able to do any commercials, you know, no marketing. No, nobody would even want to touch him. He'd be toxic. Well, the thing the thing that kills me is, all right, and, and you know, it's good. I'm glad you got to catch. The, the stern interview in its entirety because I I've caught glimpse and glimpse and pieces the the thing that gets me is okay Bubba, let's give Bubba the love sponge this you have cameras all over your house and you videotape everything great we got that but you just gave your boy carte blanche to run pipe on your wife why would there be a camera on for that you get what I'm saying like like there's no there's no logic First of all, you know, these two have been, you know, Bubba and his ex-wife have been very open in their relationship for quite some time before, you know, they separated and stuff. So, for me to hear that he had offered, and Bubba even said that there was only two men in the world that he would actually offer his wife to. Uh, One would be Howard Stern, and the other would be his best friend, Hulk Hogan. So, for that to happen was, was not very surprising to me. What was more surprising was the fact that there, there, there was information that was leaked that in the bedroom, there's a device in which they are able to hit the record button because apparently they have their own little kinky stuff that goes on, and it seems as though that she hit the button on him. She hit the button on Hogan. Right. While this was going on. And that she had been very persistent on having sex with him for some time. Now, you know, he talked about, Hogan spoke about how he was at his lowest point, you know, he felt as though, I mean, he went through, you know, the whole menagerie of just how depressed he was. Fine, we get it, we understand it. But it's still an awkward thing to even sit there and fathom go, dude, you're having sex with your best friend's wife. I mean, it, it, it's just, it just doesn't seem to connect with nope. anybody. It doesn't, it doesn't connect, and here's the thing that gets me. What kind of a fucking creep says, you know, I'd let my wife get fucked by these two guys? Who does that? <laughs> Jay, you have a significant other. Do you walk around saying, you know, I'm just, if, I, if I could, I'd let my wife get piped by X. Dude, I have a wife. I don't want... You know... Go. Let me think about this. Wait. There is a financial backfall that could happen beyond this because... She's been eyeing Sean Michaels for a long time, so they couldn't find out exactly what I'm But no, honestly, no, I, I would never, oh, please, never. There would never be a That's what I'm saying. Dude, like, I would go up to like, Sean Michaels and say, dude, would you please bang my wife? It would be like the best gift for her. No way. There's, dude, your pride as a man, as a man itself, it's like, it's like you, you know what the, 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 there's a term for that, and I've joked about this on air. There's, the, the term is, is cuckold, and, for those, yeah, for those, for those of you that don't know about this and slick, I know your your goddaughter's there. Send her in another room or cover her ears so I can educate the MTR audience about a cuckold. And 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 I and I thank Jim Norton, James Norton, stand-up comedian, for this particular bit of insight. And Jay, you you you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. A cuckold is a guy who hires other guys. To pound out his wife. And he sits there and watches it happen. And this is a whole underground subculture of stuff. There's a whole porn genre and shit. So basically, guy goes, hires a guy 
aptly called the bull. Again, thank you, Jim Norton. The bull, the bull comes to your house, and the bull most times is the complete opposite of you. So if you're a little schleppy dude, the dude is going to be, you know, Batista. Batista's going to come to your house and, and gorilla fuck your wife in front of you. And you're just going to watch, and after it's done, you're going to be like, thanks, dude, and you're going to pay him, and he's going to leave. That's how it goes down. Again. Well, that could be the yeah, thing I'm talking about is with how Bubble was probably getting it also because, like, once again, like, you're looking at like, where his involvement is. Maybe that's where he also got his jollies that, you know. Remember, Bubble was, like, a huge wrestling fan. So, like, Hulk Hogan was, like, his idol. And for him, it wasn't enough for him to even be best friends. The possibility, like, the possibility for him to, you know, take honor and that he had hokamania on his wife was probably his his greatest achievement for himself. That's what, you know, that's what we can look at what the situation could have been. Dude, but it's like, it's like, dude, what you gonna do when Hulkamania's load runs wild on you? Come on, Listen, seriously? I, 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 I myself and a friend of mine even said it. We said, if we didn't hear one brother reference out of this whole thing, I was gonna shit my pants. It was gonna be over for me. Dude, I would have been terrible. What was even better for me was that, and when you hear the snippets of the end of the video, that his daughter's song plays when the phone rings, that was just like, that was hilarity for me. It's just it's just so creepy, and and this is this is just and this and again it just paints Hogan completely different. Obviously, like you said, it's toxic, but the thing that bugs me out it's like at the lowest point of your life, quote unquote, the smartest thing you could have done was fuck your boy's wife. Like at the lowest point of your life, that's the first thing that you thought would make everything great. <laughs> I get to go and fuck my boy's wife. How do you look at your boy the next day? And there's, and and he even stated that there, you know, this didn't happen once. You know, there there might have been another or even a third incident that occurred. So, like what he's alluding is that this might not be the only thing that's coming out. There of course, might be another one out there. Of course, because because this is what it is now. This is this is what it is, and the worst part is, it's like Hulk Hogan. You are not Kim Kardashian. You will not get paid off this. Nobody. Yeah, this is the nineties. The nineties. Yeah, the nineties. We did. We were able to do that. Now with the internet, you're not going to get paid off of this. Yeah, you're not going to get paid, dude. Nobody. And, and and it's Hulk Hogan. It's like yo. I think I still have thumb wrestlers of him and Nikolai Volkov in my garage. I I, I, th- I think five five years ago I think I threw out one of those Hulk Hogan pillow wrestlers that I had bought at a convention because it got it got moths in it. You, you know what I mean? Like this guy's a a, a yeah. household. You're a household name. Kids. Well, that's what it was leading to me to say now was that look, we're thinking about it. Twenty you know twenty twenty five years ago we're sitting here and we're cheering him rip his shirt off, and who would think years later. This is where we would see our real American hero. Like, this is where we would see him at. In a black and white, poorly videotaped porn video. I just, I just feel bad for him because he's, he's in, he, there's no way. And that's the worst part. You can't even deny that it's not you. Like, that's the worst part. It's like, yo, I know that skullet anywhere. I know that, 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 that kid sister hair anywhere. It's like, yo, that is so you. And, and, and the worst part is like, dude, regardless of whether 
it was accidental, not accidental. The fact remains that Bubba the Love Sponge fucked you up. You know, because whether he put the tape out himself or his wife put out the tape or his or or a disgruntled staff member put out the tape, the tape shouldn't have existed. And even if it was there, it should have just been erased. It should have just been gone. That's it. Like you said, not existed. Never that, occurred. That's it. It's like, dude, you want to get your jollies off? You want to you you crank one out? Watch a Hogan, Hogan gorilla fuck your wife and drop the big leg after the big load? Then go for it. <laughs> but, dude, don't, 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 don't save that shit. If he's really your boy, you don't do that, man. That's just, that's just, that's just bad form. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're we're only just hoping now that there's not another tape out there, and we will not have to picture what the next one will be. Dude, it's like if it if it's him and like Linda, I I just I just I just use that for for like <laughs> high school sex education. Like you see this, this is what happens when you take steroids. Your nuts look like marbles, and your wife has to get silicone in multiple orifices of her body for her to feel anything. <laughs> Don't be this guy. Like it would be, it would be a scared straight video if it's like him and Linda. Oh, uh, thank you for leaving me with that. <laughs> my head before night. Well, I just want to say thank you once again for getting on. I hope to do more work. Well, I will be doing more work for you uh, guys soon. And um, but I can't wait for an upcoming show. Is your review and preview of WWE 13? I wasn't you know, excited about it, but after. Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to play it. I just feel and I've talked about this, you know, just that the graphics, they look a little too smooth. And, and again, they they really so many guys as DLC. It's like, dude, we don't need nine versions of Shawn Michaels or five versions of Kane. Because when I used to play WWE No Mercy, you had the one guy in all his costumes. That was it. Now, it's like, oh, we're not going to do that. We're just going to put roster slots. And then we're going to give you Ryback as DLC, AJ Lee as DLC. It's like, yo, put him in the fucking game. Put him in the game. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a bait for when they always have to, oh, you can buy the full pack or you can buy them separately. I'm just looking at it and like, look, I already know by night one I'm going to do the attitude arrow. That's going to be done. I want to finally get that feel of the general manager universe mode, especially now that we know that the Heyman is involved. I want to see how it plays out. Last year, it was making its way to be something, but I knew there, you know, it was still there were holes here and there with that plot. I, you know, I, I played with, I tuned with, you know, here and there for it. But this year, the way that I saw that it, it, it's building up to be, I'm a little bit more intrigued and I'm a little bit more excited to see it come off. I um I used to way back when I used to play EWF and um it was a PC game where you where they'd give you access to WWE, WCW, ECW and you put all the rosters together and you'd book matches and angles and it was a great concept and it they, there was no video or nothing it was all text based and I thought it was a cool concept to see so to see that now it, it, on a console it's just it's very refreshing the only thing that that bothers me is the continuous nickel and diming of the game. You pay 60 bucks for the game. Oh, but you want all the DLC, and it's an extra 15 which we, we shit on in the game segment at length about that. The other thing that kills me is that we're at a stage where you got to look at WWE like you look at Madden. It's like, you get new superstars on the main roster, you should release a roster update for free. 
Guy yeah. gets new theme music, you should release a music pack every couple of months or so with brand new music. Guy gets new t-shirt, you want him to wear it, release a wardrobe pack. Or at least give the people the option to buy that stuff. And not, not only that, but if you have these guys delivering their signature catchphrases and stuff and you want that in there, you ought to release voice packs so that these guys... When CM Punk comes out and he puts and he does and he looks at the imaginary watch on his wrist, you should ha- you should hear him saying it's clobbering time, you know, like you ha- you should hear that because it's part of his character. Same thing with you yeah, know if John if John Cena's like you know when, when he does the move when he does the you can't see me, you should hear him say you can't see me when he drops the elbow. That way it just it makes it feel more authentic. But all that shit they drop the ball on. Yeah. I can see it because, like, you know, the, the same thing I'm always having my gripe with is in um, the creative wrestling mode is, like, I get it. You want guys to sit there and put the work on it. It's like, dude, I done made this guy, like, five times in previous games. Like, can I just carry it over? Like, yep. can, I just, can I just like, copy and paste it and just, like, I don't have to do this again? Especially last year was Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I think that that's one of the things that they should enable, where you can do cloud saves and save those save those th- that stuff into the cloud. That way, when you install the new game or you load the new game into the console, it says, "Oh, an existing save um, was found on your console. Would you like to import your ca your caws or your created titles or your created finishers?" And once you, once that, that that's there, it should allow you to import it again. Shit that they dropped the ball on. It's like you want me to pay sixty dollars for a glorified roster update and seventeen versions of Mick Foley, but you know I gotta pay to play as the guys that are currently on your roster. Get what I'm saying? So are you gonna get it? So are you gonna buy it? Am I gonna buy it? Not first week. Yeah. I'll probably I'll probably either I'll either wait for it, you know, because they they drop it they they drop the price that second week, or if it magically ends up in my mailbox. Then you know I'm all for it, but but yo, just just dropping sixty bones on a wrestling game and then being on the hook for another fifteen or twenty dollars in DLC, it's just not the move. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But like I said, once again, thank you for having me on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rest of your night. All right, man. Thanks, brother. Peace. Thank you. Peace. That was Jay Santi, ladies and gentlemen. To wrap things up in the wrestling segment for this week. Um, Vince McMahon supposedly went on a tirade and demoted Brian Gewertz, who was the head writer. He is now a consultant. Um, Vince McMahon's been very, very upset about the product as of late. Take that for what it's worth. Um, the product hasn't been good because you got three hours and out of those three hours, you might get an hour and a half of wrestling at best, maybe two. And the rest of it is just bullshit. Let me recap the same five things that happened at the top of the hour versus let's do, let's do more matches and focus on building more guys. 
It's frustrating. It is definitely frustrating to say the least. Well, that's going to wrap up our wrestling segment for this week. We are going to get into some video games because there's quite a bit to talk about. So let's hop to it. Retro City Rampage is one of the games that I've actually been keeping an eye on the last couple of weeks, and most of the news about it have been hit and miss. Finally, we got a release date for it, which I'm very excited about. You're going to be able to play Retro City Rampage for on the PlayStation 3 already effectively as of October 9th. Uh, WiiWare and Xbox Live Arcade versions, though, will not be available till later on this year. I was actually looking forward to picking it up on Xbox Live just to see if they added some some multiplayer elements, um, but clearly that is not the case. If you do want to pick up Retro City Rampage, you can pick it up on the Vita, the PS3, or the PC now. Um, again, just just bummed out because this is one of those things that kills me with games. Sometimes I really want to play them on a certain console, maybe because I want to see what kind of multiplayer they got, or maybe I just want to play it while hanging out with some of the people on Xbox Live. That, unfortunately, is not the case, but... I will tell you that if you do buy it on the PS3 uh, for 15 bucks, the PS3 and Vita version are interchangeable. So that 15 bucks gets you the game on both platforms. The PC version you're going to be able to buy on Steam, uh, GOG, or VBlank's website, and that's going to get a uh, DRM-free download. And you can either do it, like I said, via Steam or with a GOG key. Now I just got word that Slick is calling in, so let me bring him on. I know he has some stuff to share regarding Comic-Con and some of the stuff that he saw, so let's get right to it. Yo, what's going on, dude? What's up? Nothing. Clearly nothing wants to work here. (laughs) That's what's up. Jack and shit. But go ahead. Let's hear it. You were at Comic-Con today as a fan, not as an employee of MTR. So what did you see, fan? (laughs) Well... I saw two um, Marvel games. At first, I saw um, I forget the name of it, but I, I, I lost interest when I realized it was a uh, Marvel RP uh, online RPG. It basically looked like Diablo with Iron Man. So basically, if you're a fan of Diablo, you might want to pick it up. Okay. Then I saw. Marvel's Avengers Battle for Earth. Oh, God. By your... Connect fans will love. By your disheartened tone, I can tell that it was just not that good. Well, imagine if Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 were completely played using the Connect. Ugh. Exactly. Really? That's what they went with? I like I saw this also at Best Buy earlier in the week, and I saw a guy using the Hulk fighting a um, a scroll that, you know, that had taken on Magneto's powers. Uh, I and, just I just am you not. Know, it's the Hulk, so you're, you're basically going to beat the shit out of your opponent, right? But the guys like punch, kick. And then all of a sudden, Hulk jumps up in the air, and Magneto's up in the air, and it's like, the game is like, 
punch rapidly. Oh, my God. And I don't care if you're Bruce Lee. You can jam the A button a lot faster than you can go. <laughs> that is terrible. It is terrible. It looks terrible. People look terrible playing it. <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny? I saw I saw somebody playing the Dragon Ball Z Connect game in Best Buy, and and that's basically what it is. Oh God! It's like whether it's Lego Harry Potter, not Lego Connect Harry Potter, freaking Connect Star Wars, Connect Dragon Ball Z, or Connect Avengers. It's the same shit. That's completely fucked up. Because all it is is you waving your hands around like a retard, doing shit you should absolutely not do in public because you look like an idiot. Christ. It's like... Imagine trying to play a fighting game using the controls to just dance. That's what it is. Oh my god. That bad, and huh? That's what you look that's exactly what you look like playing it. Really? Just like dance? Play, just dance to play a fighting game. Ugh. No, I can't. I can't do it. I can't. Well, you know what? While I have you on here, you're gonna help me wrap up this gaming segment because there's a couple of things in here. Um Well there's a couple of other games that I saw. Oh, you did? I don't know because I, like I said, you were you were Mister Fan today. You were your alter ego, Mister Fan. What else did you see? On the good side, I saw um, the multiplayer of God of War Ascension. Ah, you did. Yeah, because I know you had mentioned off air you had seen gameplay. Really, they were showing the multiplayer. How was it? Because I was really concerned about how that shit would work. It looks really good. It's sort of like. If you were going to play Call of Duty, but instead of guns, you had basically alternate versions of Kratos' weapons. Okay. They were horribly mutilating and beating the shit out of each other. Nice. And the game zooms in when you do like a like an air catch. Oh, really? Your weapon. Okay. It's like, it's not like just random shit. Like, there's pretty deep, detailed controls. Because, you know, you can combo people, you can block, you can dodge, you can evade and heal. And it's like, while they were fighting, there was a secondary goal. Like, you had to basically beat your other team and get this, this um, heavenly weapon to come down from Olympus and then use it to freaking kill Polyphemus, the, the um, Cyclops. And when I say kill Polyphemus, they let you do it in true Kratos style. Like, first he uses spear. He jumps up in the air. It's not Kratos. It's just a random warrior. He split his jaw open where he looked like the freaking Predator when he split his jaw open. Then his boys come out, and they all throw, like, a... Spears into his eye, 
and then like for the coup de gras, you jump up in the air and just literally rip his eyeball out. Oh shit! Damn that I want that, that I want to see. Well, that you will see. I'll send you the video. But what I couldn't video, they had basically. They said if you try to film it or or photograph it, we will kick you out. Was Assassin's Creed Three, which. I have no idea why, because the game comes out in a couple of weeks. It comes out October 30th. And they had the Frag Dolls playing the demo, and um, they gave us these blow-up tomahawks and said, swing your tomahawk in the air every time something cool happens. And there was quite a lot of tomahawk swinging, because the guy, the, um, the guy's name is Connor, he's jumping from trees, and first thing he did was he killed a deer for food, and as soon as he killed the deer, some wolves came around and tried to not only take his kill, but take his life. <laughs> Instead of using his bow and arrow, he switched to his, his, um, his gun and just shot all the wolves dead. <laughs> then a guy gives him a mission to kill, to kill this guy who's in a British fort. He initially takes, like, a direct approach. He goes to the front door like a psychopath, and he jumps from one branch through, like, this um, this rope dagger that he has, and because it was, like, a really high branch, he, he like, the, the, he threw the dagger through one of the, the raincoat's necks and then jumped backwards to use the guy's weight so he could come down softly. Wow. And then proceeded to kill about 10 other soldiers Batman style. Like, these guys have guns, and he's just, like, dodging everything, slitting throats with a tomahawk, braining people, snapping necks, and just kept going. Very excited about tomahawks. Flying up the, the rock face. Nice. And instead of doing a stealth kill, he does a distraction. He blows up the munitions pile. The guy he wants to kill sees him and runs off. And she, she, um, the girl explained that it was a, a basically a, a running assassination. He pushes one guy out the way, grabs a musket, uses the bayonet to run another red coat through then jumps off the top of the building and, like, basically lands on his, his target. And that was the end of the demo because the dude was very, very dead. That's what's up. Creed 3 is looking incredibly good. And they have a... Um, I see that they have a PSP heater... Oh, a white PSP heater coming out the same day as the PS3 game. I don't know if there's going to be any uh, compatibility between the game, but the PSP heater is going to be the same price as the PSP heater without a game. It's still 250 and it comes with the game. It's white, though. That's, too, that's not the only other difference. Yeah, well, the Vita the Vita's in such a weird flux for me because you know on one on one 
on one side they're touting all the um you know they're touting all the the great graphics and all this shit on the other side no fucking games well the um the Assassin's Creed 3 on the Vita is supposed to happen at the same time as the PS3 game but it's a different game because your character is uh, a black female Right. Aveline, correct? I believe so. So, yeah. I mean, Ubisoft is basically giving you reason to, to play the game twice. Yeah, it looks but... looks like it's, it's going to be worthwhile. True, but they're the only ones, you know what I mean? Like, like alright, Ubisoft wants me to play this game, but it's just Ubisoft. I mean, there's the Uncharted game, and there's like a few other games that I, I would say are worthwhile. But you know, I don't know if it, I, I still don't know if the Vita is worth the two fifty price tag. I don't think it is. And that's if you get it. I mean, honestly, I would say it's worth it if you're getting a game with it for the same price that you would pay to get the the system by itself. Right. Because the, the Assassin's Creed 3 bundle gives you the Vita, a 4-gigabyte memory card, and the game. And how much do, do Vita games go for right now? Uh, like 50. 50. Yeah, they go for 50 usually. And basically, you get the game for free. Shit, that makes perfect sense. A decent, one, a decent one at best. Huh. Well... The way I see it is um, you have to, especially with stuff with the Vita, the Vita falls, like I said, into that weird, weird zone where you shell out the money for the handheld gaming, but the handheld gaming has to be your end-all, be-all. You know what I mean? Like, you can't do like you do with, like, the 3DS and leave it in the toilet, you know, and play it when you're in the toilet. Like, the Vita, given the cross-platform stuff and the 3G functionality, it's a system that you're going to need to always have with you, either long commutes, maybe playing it in bed before you go to sleep, but at that rate, you know, what's stopping you from turning on a PS3? I can't, I couldn't, to, to this date, I can't see myself justifying a purchase of the 3G version, especially since it runs on AT&T. Because I have a, I, I personally have a long-term hate for AT&T. Yeah, well, that's a whole other thing too. Giving it to giving it to AT and T, it's like ugh. giving AT and T money is is a problem in itself. It's just it's just I mean, it's just I, horrifying. I think that was a bad move, but hey, that's already done. There you go. Any other cool shit you saw? Not today. I mean. I didn't get to see the whole floor, but tomorrow, you know, we'll get, we'll get in there early and we'll, we'll check everything out. Hope to have a lot of pictures up by, the, by tomorrow. Well, get the most out of the show floor tomorrow because, you know, Saturday it will be exactly. the apocalypse. <laughs> Saturday will be apocalypse now. Tomorrow you should be exactly. good during the early part of the day and then the later part of the day when people get out of work. True. But um, but I will keep you posted. Of course. Well, while I have you on, I'll I'll share some stuff with you 
Rovio, of course, getting in bed with the Angry Birds franchise and Star Wars. You're going to get Angry Birds Star Wars dropping November 8th. Thoughts? I wonder if they're going to try to charge for that. I don't know. The thing with the Angry Birds games as of late is, you know, you buy, you get the free ones with the ads, which are okay. Like, I've been playing Space, Angry Birds Space, which gets most of its playtime in the toilet. I'm not going to kid anybody on here. Anybody that lies and says that they don't play Angry Birds while they're in, in, in the toilet is lying. Yeah, exactly. So, but, um, if it's free... Remember, this is... The operative word here is George Lucas' words. Ah, yes. Yeah, when George Lucas is concerned, free is definitely not in his vocabulary. So, who knows? I mean, even if it's free with ads, I'll take it. But they may he may try and pull some shit like, oh, well, if you want to play the full experience, we recommend you buy it. I mean, what's it going to cost? Two bucks? A dollar? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be a complete asshole and complain. If the game's a buck, I mean, the game gives you enough enjoyment that it's worth a dollar. Hell, it might even it two dollar. But remember, the operative words are George, <laughs> George Lucas. Lucas, you are you are right. Yeah, so November eighth it drops. I you know they've been doing some some funny promotional pieces, and they did some funny stuff where they took like a clip where they see the Death Star, and Han Solo's like, "That's not a moon," and it turns around, and the Death Star's in the shape of a pig's head. So you know that's kind of funny. I'm like, all right, it, 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 you know the pig star. So, we'll see. I mean, like I said, even if they do a free one with ads, I'm, I'll probably end up playing it because I'm like, oh my god, this Angry Birds in Space is going to suck. Then I played it, and I, pro- and I honestly felt it was probably the best one in the, in the, in the series. Well, did, let's hope there is a free version with ads. I'll be happy with that. Did you get to see anything for Injustice, Gods Among Us? Yes, it's there. It's just like I said. The, I'll get some video on it tomorrow, but that person, just personally, the game really doesn't speak to me because it's like it looks like you know MK versus DC. Well, the reason I'm saying is because Entertainment Weekly confirmed that they're putting Green Arrow in the game, and obviously part of the reason is to tie into the Green Arrow show. So of course you got to get a little, little subtle product placement. They also showed the the Joker online, so. Thus far, they've they've shown Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, Nightwing, Catwoman, Harlequin, Cyborg, Solomon Grundy, Green Arrow now joins the cast as well. I, that, that's why I figured if you had got to see it, maybe you might get to see Green Arrow in action, which I guarantee you is going to, I pray to God, you get to shoot a boxing glove, gun, uh, boxing glove arrow. That's all I need. Just give me one attack with a boxing glove arrow and I'll be all right. <laughs> I know you did mention... And I might be the last person to the, to the gate, but I, I saw a PlayStation All-Stars today, and I'm like... They, they made no effort to, to distinguish that game from Smash Brothers. Oh, hell no. It's Smash Brothers all the way. It, it's Smash Brothers all the way. I can understand you being late to the party, because I was supposed to get in on the, on the beta for that. And I just totally forgot to download it because that was when I was changing hard drives on the PS3 and I just it just slipped through the cracks and I didn't even get to play it. So you got you got further ahead with it than I did. So I'm not going to knock it. I will tell you this though. I know that you saw Tomb, you know, there was Tomb Raider stuff on display over there. They're actually going to release multiple versions of the game, uh the survival edition and the collector's edition. The survival edition which they may show at Comic-Con is going to have the game, an art book, 
um, a double-sided map of the game's island, and a waterproof survival pouch, plus digital content. Uh, the collector's edition is going to include the survivor's edition, plus a 6-inch uh, Play Arts Kai Lara Croft action figure. Well, I saw the they they have a hunting demo on on display where basically you get to try out the bow and arrow and try to kill a deer. Which I mean, it, it, it looks very good. Like the, the the engine it's running on is very smooth. But um, I was hoping for a demo where you actually go up against some some human enemies or at least something that's going to fight back. Because the deer just runs away. Well, one, you know, the the thing with the Tomb Raider games, they're trying to do this fresh reboot, making it more gritty, more dark, and and I'm okay with it. Of course, you know you're going to get all these limited editions and stuff, but between you and I, I really don't feel that the fan base is that passionate for Tomb Raider. Like, we'll play it the same way we play Uncharted. But I don't think that people are going to go out of their way to buy, you know, maybe a a hundred and fifty dollar collector's edition. For a Lara Croft toy. Like, I, she's popular, but I just don't think she's at that level where people are going to drop, you know, $100, $200, you know? The problem is that as much as sex sells, the franchise has allowed four Uncharted games to come out. Yep, that's the problem. Basically, when Drake's Fortune came out, People said he was the male Lara Croft, and they were 100% right. And most, uh, and most importantly... He told an excellent story, there was excellent gameplay, right. and there was excellent visuals. And you have three console games and a PSP Vita game. Well, here's, here's the kicker, too. Any generation after us that's new only knows Drake. So when they see Lara Croft, they're going to be like, oh, they're copying off of Drake. You know that's going to happen. And the thing is, it's like, this game, I mean, they're going to use sex to a degree because, I mean, you see the pirates molesting Lara at, at different points and stuff. I mean, she's a young 18-year-old girl. I mean, yeah, it's going to happen. But she's... From the get-go, she's beat up, she's dirty, she's bloody, she's injured. I'm like, you really can't use sex that much in this game. As as especially, not compared to you know previous editions of Tomb Raider. No, that is true. And the the bad part about that is going back to what you said. This game is trying to capture a new audience. Because you think about it, this game comes out in 2013. The first Tomb Raider came out, what, 1995, maybe? I think so. I mean, that's literally a freaking perverted teenager ago. But since the the, um, franchise started, it's 18 years. This is true. Like you said, the it's the when when Tomb Raider first came out, I was freaking in college. Hell yeah, I I remembered working in the game store when Tomb Raider dropped. 
Way to way to make us feel old. <laughs> yeah, I mean when when Tomb Raider first came out, I was like, Do I have the proper system requirements and the right version of Windows ninety five to run it? Because I didn't have a PlayStation at that time. Ah, so it was PC all the way. Gotcha. I don't know, man. I think I think Lara has 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 a lot of work ahead of her to to hit you know to hit that mainstream appeal that made her so popular way back when. But I believe Square Enix can pull it off because the thing is that Drake's Drake stays pretty firmly in reality. Lara mixes like archaeology with mythology and pulls out, you know, the type of creatures that you would see in a Final Fantasy game. This is true. So to let Square Enix work with something like that, if they, you know, work on good controls and good storytelling, which they have no problem with storytelling. No, no, they don't. They work on good controls and good, you know, world creation. They can literally revive the, the franchise. We shall see how that unfolds. I, I I definitely want to play it. Is it is it making me want to part with sixty bucks? No, but do I want to play it? Yes, yes, I do. I want to play it, and I'll say it does make me want to part with. I wish fifty bucks, but it'll be sixty. Um, my thing is, people people shit on it all the time, and I, I do believe it's going too far with there being. A third version of Final Fantasy 13 coming out, but the first Final Fantasy 13, I don't care what anybody says. The only bad thing about that game is, with the, is that they bothered to put it on the 360. True. What should have been a PS3 exclusive was gimped because they put it on the 360. Right. And even the gimped game is not a bad game at all. Hmm. It's just not what people expected, and so people want to shit on it. It's not a bad game. I haven't touched a Final Fantasy game since 7, so unfortunately I can't even agree or disagree with that statement. <laughs> I've been a, a, a smidge out of the loop. I hate you. Well, but to, to wrap things up, I got a, um, you know, Resident Evil 6 is getting some free DLC shocking because it concerns Capcom, um, they're going to add some extra stuff it's to Ada. Free DLC because people are shitting on that game too. <laughs> yeah, they're going to add some stuff to Ada Wong's campaign, and um, they're going to add some some co-op elements, and then they're going to add a new difficulty level called No Hope, which they're saying is just going to be a super hard uh, playthrough of the game, but. That's those news are small potatoes when when it comes to of course the MPD numbers for the month of September, which obviously as a no brainer, Madden was the number one selling game for the month of September. It saw an eleven percent increase in its debut month. Borderlands two took second. It exceeded uh, the first Borderlands game sales by two hundred and thirty four percent. Software sales though overall were down. And um, the 3DS software went up 89%, which is a plus. You know, part of the part of the reason it's done so well was New Super Mario Brothers 2 sold 
295,000 units. But yep. overall, get this, the con- the combined software for 3DS and DS were down 18%, which, you know, people are already saying that's not a good trend. And what shocked me at Comic-Con today is that the Nintendo reps were wearing Wii U shirts, but there was no... Unless I, I missed it, I'm going to look again. There were no um, Wii U games on display. All they had was um, 3DS games, Kid Icarus and Mario Brothers. Well, you know, the the thing that um, the thing I noticed also was that Pokemon Black and White 2 came out, and there's been no promotion for it, no nothing. Yeah, I see commercials every day. Oh, well, what are you watching? Because I haven't seen shit. I'm like, wow, this just went under the radar. Just regular broadcast they're gonna TV? On, they're going to promote it on kids' channels. Ah, that's why. I, I haven't watched... It on, like, Cartoon Network, Disney, Disney XD. Oh, okay. Are you going to pick it up? Did you pick it up? Is Are you even into it anymore? I'm torn. I'm like... If enough people that I know pick it up, I'll probably get it, but it's like, I don't want to play the same game again. Gotcha. I can understand I that. I adding all these pieces. It's still the same game. No, I, I can understand that frustration. Again, the double-dipping rearing its ugly head. Uh, the last the last bit regarding the MPD stuff, of course, micro, Microsoft was number one again, sold 270,000 units in September. It remains the top-selling current-gen console with 49% of the market, which, obviously, at this point, I said to myself, who the fuck doesn't have a 360 anymore at this point to sell 300,000 units? Yeah, that's that. November's MPD numbers are going to be very interesting. As for the titles that were the top 10 selling titles for the month of September, the number 10 was Battlefield 3, Lego Batman 2, was number nine. NCAA was number eight. World of Warcraft was seven. The Mists of Pandaria. NHL 13. Guild Wars 2. New Super Mario Brothers, which was number four. FIFA Soccer, which was three. Borderlands took the second slot. And Madden took the number one slot. Which, obviously, in the month of September, a no-brainer. Ravage in the chat says he does not have a 360. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, I I really think a thought at the I, when when I hear numbers like that I'm like wow three almost three hundred thousand units it may it, that's what I mean it just makes you wonder and of course there's always the the joke of yeah most of those numbers are people replacing their Xboxes that broke but um <laughs> I don't know I I think there's less there's less of that going on nowadays so the joke doesn't hold as much weight as it used to. Yeah, I mean. My 360 seems look. It looks like it's gonna last until I need a new console. But um, I really want to see what happens with Black Friday because the Wii U drops a week for the the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Yep. Sunday before Thanksgiving. The week before. Yeah, it comes out that Sunday because so, Thanksgiving is the, is the 22nd, so it has a a four day head start before Thanksgiving and Black Friday. Because I know what will happen. Basically, the stores will be like, if you didn't pre-order, you're not getting it on Sunday. 
or they'll have a very limited amount and they'll sell out. It'll sell out Sunday. That much I'm pretty positive of. Well, what'd you do? You pre-order through Nintendo World, right? No, I pre-ordered through Best Buy. Oh, okay. Stores will probably... Sit on I, it. I, I mean, I highly doubt a week after it comes out that Nintendo's going to make any kind of bundle. So it'll sell out, and then the stores will probably actually not put it on sale for Black Friday. They'll just be like, you know, have like a doorbuster where they'll, they'll sell it, and people will wait online for it. Well, I was thinking that the the plan of attack could also be that they'll they'll sell it as a bundle, but only with like accessories, you know, like Wiimotes and shit. Like like they'll use that as an opportunity to clear out some of that old Wii stock. Like, oh, you know, get a Wii oh, Mo- yeah, but that's, see, that's the store. I'm talking about Nintendo. Oh yeah, Nintendo themselves. They're they're just gonna be like, you want the console? That's it. <laughs> Otherwise, beat it. Basically. Honestly, honestly, with a four-day head start going into Black Friday, Nintendo, it's a no-brainer. They're going to move a lot of units. The big question is going to be if they're going to drop the system with allegedly 30 titles. Out of those 30 titles, how many are going to be, you know, A-grade, A-grade, or five-star titles? I'd like to say if they fare with at least 50% of them being solid, then they're going to have a really good holiday season. But if they go in there and out of those 30, maybe 5 or, or or 10 are good, then it's going to be a lot harder for them to sell stuff unless they plan on dropping any solid titles in December. You know, like maybe they'll go, oh, we're going to drop this one, these two titles in December, and that may help push it forward a little further. Well, they're going to have a lot of good titles before the end of the year. So they, I don't think there's going to be a lot of, any, much of a problem there. Like, I remember... Ant had said to me, he's like, name six good titles, and I was able to rattle them off right away. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, of course, he tried to challenge them, but it's like, the bottom line is, they have games like, you know, like Batman, which are good titles, but they're either remixes of games that are already out, or like Darksiders 2, they're just games that are already out. And the only real benefit to buying it on the Wii U is that it seems that it's already coming packaged with a lot of the downloadable content that PS3 and 360 owners have had to pay for. Right. And they get to Which play. I mean, they get to play on the snazzy tablet. <laughs> yeah. And but I mean, there's there's titles that are exclusive to the Wii that you know I either personally have interest in or I hear a lot of people talking about. Right, Zombie High looks good. Um, Mario looks good as as all hell. Yeah, there's a couple of titles. Me personally, I'm not gonna fall into the trap of the day one purchase because you know shelling out that shelling out three hundred bucks, you know, for obvious reasons, it's a it's a it's a case in itself. But I just think that I'll wait till after the holidays, the hysteria will die down because you know there's gonna be a ton of shit to play anyway. There's a lot of stuff coming out. For the PS3 and the 360, so there probably won't even be enough hours in the day to do it. But you never know. I exactly agree. I mean, the only reason why I jumped on it is because I, did, I got a discount. Right. Which is fair. You know, that's fine. I mean, there's a, there's 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 deals to be had. But like a first day camp out type scenario, I'm not doing that shit. Oh, camp out never again. 
No, hell no. I was pissed when they, they said that there were no pre-orders for the PS3 or from the, well, I didn't hit a 360 or launch, but there were no pre-orders for the, three, uh, the PS3 or for the Wii. Damn. You had to camp out. Fuck that, dude. Sorry, but no thanks. I'll just wait. <laughs> Anything else you need to add, my friend? Nah, I'm good, man. Alright, my dude, let me jump into this entertainment segment, and I will catch you later. Have a good time tomorrow. Will do. Talk to you later. Alright, we got our entertainment segment. Let's see if uh, the soundboard decides to play nicely, and I'm figuring since it's still there, we'll just use this. Well, to start things off, of course, the Avengers was released on Blu-ray and DVD, and not only did it kick ass in theaters, but it's also kicking ass in DVD and Blu-ray sales as well. Um, Nielsen's video scan chart, which was released earlier this week, has it at 72% of the units moved were Blu-ray, and 23% were the 3D Blu-ray combo pack. Not only that, but it also sold... 34 times as many copies as the number two film on the le- on the list, which was the Batman Dark Knight's Re- Dark Knight Returns Part One. So, obviously, besides it just coming out and, and running roughshod in the over through the box office, it's doing it on home video as well, and it's also caused a spike in other Marvel titles to pop up on the list, um, including Thor, Captain America, Iron Man Two, The Incredible Hulk, and the first Iron Man film. So, not only is the Avengers doing great numbers on home video, but they're extending the shelf life of those other films that came out before it, which is a plus as well. I mean, out of all of those films, I own all of them except Thor. I don't own Thor on Blu-ray, and that's because it's never at a price point that looks attractive to me. Most times they're trying to beat me over the head for 25 bucks, and it's not happening. So I do, I can understand why it went the way it went. If you've been on the fence about picking up the Avengers and you want to pick it up on Blu-ray, make sure to check out our review of the Blu-ray on MyTakeRadio.com. I also published a review this week for Prometheus, which I actually sat through twice to review on Blu-ray for MyTakeRadio.com. I will tell you that if you are a videophile or an audiophile and you need a good showcase film to use besides the Avengers, I definitely have to recommend Prometheus, so make sure to check that out. Now, it wouldn't be an entertainment segment without some what-the-fuck entertainment news. The LA Times reports that we are, we can expect film versions of the following movies. Monopoly, which we already know. Action Man and Hungry Hungry Hippos. I kid you not. Hungry Hungry Hippos is going to come to the big screen as an animated feature. So, that seems to be the plan of action with that. For Regarding Action Man, though, there's nothing concrete laid out yet but we will be seeing Action Man in theaters. Honestly, if you want to do anything regarding Hungry Hungry Hippos, you just got to watch TLC for half of the day, and you can see the exact same thing without having to lay out $10 at the box office. Yeah, it was in poor taste, but who gives a shit? Anyway, in some true blood news, one of my favorite actors, Rutger Hauer, will be getting a regular role on the show for the sixth season. He's going to be playing a character named Macklin, who has some really close associations to Sookie and Jason Stackhouse. So 
Rutger Hauer joins the cast of True Blood, and the show returns to HBO in June of 2013. Now, usually when I do the entertainment segment, there's always some what-the-fuck movie news and, and a couple of other things, but I came across a story I needed to share with you guys because the the ridiculousness of it just it just needed to be discussed. And it involves um, an interview that was done with uh, the, the website called The Rap, and they interviewed a, a film critic named David Denby. Now, David Denby feels that Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy and the Avengers are bleak signs for the future of Hollywood cinema. Now, you're probably asking yourselves, what the fuck crack is this guy smoking to say that these films are, are bleak with regards to Hollywood cinema when Hollywood wants to put out such masterpieces like Monopoly and Hungry Hungry Hippos? Well, let me enlighten you on what he said. Regarding The Dark Knight Rises, he says, I can't tell if Christopher Nolan's against terrorism or is a terrorist. I felt terrorized myself. The plot didn't make sense in time or space and wasn't sequential. Acts didn't have consequences. I don't know what comment he's making in Inception. It seems to be mainly about his own working style. I'm not sure they're creating an adult audience with Batman and the Avengers parts 7, 8, 9, and 10 after five sequels, I'm not sure there will be any interest in seeing a man or woman talking at a table, which may be the most exciting kind of drama. But you have to cultivate a taste for that kind of complexity. He also went on to add that the big studios have broken their unspoken, unwritten contract with America to offer some versions of the country's soul. Instead, there is more and more fantasy and even more pixelated fighting in the dead air of digital space. For those of you that don't know, Denby actually was notorious for his uh, breaking the review embargo for the girl with the dragon tattoo, which only, you know, Variety was allowed to do. Anyway, the thing with, with what he's saying is, is this. And I, some people, and, and this is the crazy thing, some people just aren't fans of certain genres of movies. And when it comes to them delivering criticism they deliver it in the harshest way possible which obviously is going to ruffle the feathers of diehard fan bases i respect that what i don't like is the fact that he's viewing these these films in such a way that he's trying to find the most negative aspects of it especially when he's saying how the big studios have broken their unspoken unwritten contract with america which is using more fantasy and pixelated fighting the first thing I want to tell you is when you go to the movies, when you open a book, when you turn on your television, you are doing it because you want to escape the reality that you're currently in. The mundane world that you live in with your shitty job and your shitty life and your annoying wife and your and your crazy kids, you're escaping that when you plunk down $12 to go into a movie theater. You're escaping that reality when you're turning on HBO and watching Game of Thrones, when you're watching Breaking Bad, when you're watching shit like The Office or Community. You're you're leaving that realm to to immerse yourself in something that's not the mundane world you're currently living in. Same rules apply to when you're reading books. This guy, I guess he wants every movie to be Schindler's List. Maybe he wants every movie to be like Donnie Darko. The fact remains that there's a time and a place for every type of film. And for him to go out there and say that, you know, that, that the Batman films, 
he couldn't tell if they were uh, against terrorism or being terrorizing is just it's just a real pussy response. There's no there's no politically correct saying uh, politically correct way to word it. The guy's being a complete pussy. The beauty of the Batman trilogy from start to finish was showing the different levels of, of just the human the human psyche. You had the level of fear that was brought forth in the first film. You had the second film that just focused on chaos, on breaking a man's spirit. And the third film focused on redemption and also just giving Batman's character more than just being a, a, a superhero. It, it gave him, it gave audiences an inside look, not only into his thinking, but into what motivated him to be a hero. That's the shit that kills me. And for you to sit there and make and, and and make commentary that you didn't understand it, that acts didn't have consequences. You mean to tell me that when the Joker forced the choice on Harvey Dent, when Rachel Dawes got killed and Harvey Dent became Two-Face, you mean to tell me that there weren't consequences? There, were, there weren't consequences when Harvey Dent went and, and flipped the coin to determine whether he would seek vengeance on the people that wronged him. There weren't consequences there? What the fuck movie were you watching when there weren't consequences fully on display? Fully. And then you're talking about a film like Inception. All right. Let me be the first to say it took me three different times of viewing Inception to fully grasp the the depth of that movie. You know, just how deep it really went. The first time I watched it, I'm like, all right, cool, you know, buildings fold in half and crazy shit. The second time I sat, I sat down, it was more of a quiet day, I was kind of bored, and I just sat through it and absorbed the movie. By the time I got to the third, to the third viewing of it on, on cable, I really just was able to pick apart all the good things that he did in that movie, all the great storytelling that was on play there. Well, that was at play, excuse me. And, and the fact is that, I'm not sure you're you're saying you're not creating an adult audience with Batman. The three Batman films that Nolan put out probably were the most adult interpretations of Batman that you that I've ever seen. The Joker was sadistic, violent. He stabbed the he rammed the guy's head through a fucking pencil. How is that not adult for you? The story of of Bane and the fact that, you know, he was he was disfigured horribly and he has to rely on 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 pain gas to keep him in check and the fact that not only that but there's that deeper psychology with his character you mean to tell me that none of that is is for an adult audience yeah the, the avengers was more lighthearted but there was definitely adult content there the concept of duality when you're dealing with bruce banner and the hulk the, the, the concept of feeling misplaced and out of touch when you look at a guy like Captain America. All right, really? I, I'd love to sit with this guy and debate that because these are the things that, that some of these critics, they miss. They miss the facts that there's more to a movie than just what's on the screen. It's, a, it's about the message. It's about what's being put forth. And sometimes you watch movies, they have no message, and they're meant to entertain. Other times... Movies, you watch them, and they're meant to alter your way of thinking. The, be- the greatest example of that is Fight Club. I watched Fight Club when it first came out in the theater, and then uh, a-, a year or two later, I read the book, and it not only changed my way of thinking, it just changed the way I viewed the world. 
And people have a love-hate relationship with that movie for that reason. And with the book. Because it's a movie that, it wasn't the most artistically perfect film, but it was a film that delivered a message. It delivered, uh, uh, put it like this, they delivered a more impactful way of thinking. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And Ravage in the chat, he, he said it. The third Batman film was, uh, was consequence. And it's true. It's the consequence of, you know, making Harvey Dent a martyr. It's the consequence of you being a vigilante. It's the consequence of you not making certain decisions. It, he's 100% right in saying that the entire film was consequence. But some of these guys, they think that by coming out and painting this more, um, I'd like to say more educated understanding of film is doing anybody any favors. This is why sometimes I don't go and write a four-page review on a movie. People read movie reviews because they need to know, was it good, what was good about it, and should I see it? You don't need four pages to tell somebody if a movie was good, why they should see it, and what parts were good. You can do that in five minutes. I can tell you that The Avengers is worth seeing because it was the first film to bring an entire ensemble cast of characters to the Marvel Universe. It was well written and had amazing visual effects without even having to write that down. But this guy, he wants he wants a complete narrative. He wants people to hold his hand and tell him what the message was that these films were conveying. Seriously, just because you have critic in your title doesn't mean you know everything about film. On the contrary, I took film study in high school and it ruined my enjoyment of movies because I spend way too much time looking at all the nuances and analyzing the films that there are instances where I have to force myself to watch the movie. And if anybody can attest to that, it's slick. And he'll tell you that from us going to see Scott Pilgrim. I watched Scott Pilgrim when the movie was over. He thought I hated it. That, and then I wrote the review and he, he realized that I didn't. Hell, Scott Pilgrim's one of my favorite movies. But again, I was so skewed that I had to sit there and pick apart everything and then rewatch the film afterwards. Ravage in the chat says, why does a movie have to have a, pre- a preachy message? That's the thing. Everybody expects every film to have a message or a point or a happy ending. That's not what it is. If you want to know the complete opposite of a preachy message, watch The Mist. You know, just watch The, the Mist. And get back to me. And you'll see, that is the furthest thing from a preachy fucking message. Yes, Slick Slick says the mist is just fucked up. Exactly. Anyway, let me go through some of the other stories. Because this guy, I could, I could sit here for 20 minutes and rip him to shreds. There's been a lot of rumors going around that they're working on an Expendables film with female leads. Right now, Gina Carano was the first person that was announced to be in it. Now, Katie Sackoff from Battlestar Galactica will also be joining. Um, Variety reports that she signed on to co-star with Carano in the project, which has no title as of yet. So, we're going to get a female version of The Expendables with Gina Carano and Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica. Get that money ready, folks. Let's talk box office numbers. It's no surprise that Taken 2 was number one. $50 $50 million, Hotel Transylvania was two, Pitch Perfect was three, Looper was four, which I gotta see, Frank and Weenie was five, 
End of Watch was six. I really got to see that also before they yank it out of the theater. Trouble with the Curve was seven. House at the End of the Street was eight. The Master was nine. And Finding Nemo 3D was ten. And some other Marvel news that I got to share with you guys. If you've seen the the animated Iron Man series that they gave on G4, which was which was actually surprisingly well done. Well, we're going to start seeing more Iron Man anime, but this time it's going to get a full-length feature film. It's going to be Iron Man Rise of the Technovore. The movie will be released in spring 2013, and it's going to have Iron Man facing off against Ezekiel Stane. You're also going to get to see uh, the Black Widow, and you may even get to see some other characters, including War Machine, Nick Fury, Hawkeye, and the Punisher, all rendered in anime style. So if you were a fan of the Iron Man anime series from G4, be on the lookout for this in the spring of 2013. In some Justice League movie news, a couple of years back, people were talking about casting for the movie and the fact that all signs pointed to Army Hammer, who is being who is the Lone Ranger in the upcoming Lone Ranger film, as getting the nod to play Batman. Obviously, the project never took off and it died, but it seems that movie hole have found a source that said that Army Hammer may actually be back in the mix to play Batman. So take that for what it's worth. Army Hammer is a, is a obviously besides all the Arm and Hammer jokes that can be made. You know the the Lone Ranger is going to be his first via his solo vehicle. So let's get that out of the way before we make assumptions about whether he's going to be good or bad as Batman. Let's leave it at that. The way I see it, though. Everybody's so concerned about seeing Justice League. Let's get past Superman and make sure that Superman is good. And let's worry about the other characters before just pulling the, the, the trigger on, a, on an ensemble movie that has absolutely no setup. None. That's how I see it. In some other Marvel news, Shailene Woodley is in early negotiations to play Mary Jane in the upcoming Amazing Spider-Man 2. Variety reports that Woodley who was nominated for a Golden Globe in The Descendants, is the studio's first choice for the role. There's also rumors speculating that we will be seeing Harry Osborn as well, and that the villain being considered is going to be Electro. So, there you have it. The Amazing Spider-Man 2, we're going to see Mary Jane, plus we got Gwen Stacy, plus Harry Osborn, and the possibility of Electro as well. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is expected to hit theaters May 2nd, 2014. Now, the next bit of news I wanted to share with you guys, I actually read in today's Daily News. There, there's a movie There's a movie I'm, I'm a big fan of just because it's so ridiculously corny, but it's so memorable, and that film is The Last Dragon. Those of you that know The Last Dragon know that it involved Bruce Leroy, Shonuff, uh, Vanity... A really cool soundtrack and a lot of silliness, but it was incredibly quotable and it's a cult classic. Well, the Daily News reported that Leo O'Brien passed away. He was 41 years old. He actually played Richie Green, uh, Bruce Leroy's brother, in the 1985 film. He was 41 years old. Um, his cause of death is at is unknown at this time. Uh, he passed away yesterday morning. There's an autopsy scheduled, um, but... Part of, partly they're already looking at his failing health as being the number one reason why he passed away. But again, it's unfortunate. My condolences to Mr. O'Brien's family. His work in The Last Dragon was, was hilarious. Obviously, him screaming for 
for Vanity to teach Bruce Leroy some moves was funny. He also had a bunch of other roles as well in a couple of other movies. I believe he popped up in the with the Sugar Hill Gang. I gotta look up his IMDb, but it's unfortunate. The guy was forty one years old. He was he wasn't a, an old a super old guy, but it was funny because I think it was last year or the year before he was involved in a in a scuffle with a with an acquaintance and he actually got shot. Then after he got shot, he went into the into the hospital and he was in and out. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate to hear that he passed away, but I figured I'd share that with you guys. The other crazy thing that came out this week was obviously Prometheus came out on Blu-ray and they're already talking about sequels, not only for Prometheus, but also for Blade Runner. Metro uh, got a chance to interview Ridley Scott and questioned him about that stuff. And before I get into it, I do got to say that for all the people complaining about Prometheus and where it went and the subject matter and the fact that it was in a direct alien prequel. You, you guys, some, some people grasp can grasp the fact that Ridley Scott was looking to create a new universe within the alien mythology. Like I understood that. So it was nice to see all the subtle nods to the alien movies. Plus, you know, the, the ending itself was very telling uh, as to how this relates to alien, but Ridley Scott went out of his way to create a brand new mythology. That was that was the whole plan. People were expecting this whole aliens origin story that that I don't understand what led them to believe that that was the course of action they were going to take. I knew that it was going to take place in that universe, but I knew for a fact it wasn't going to be directly related to Alien. So, with that said, Ridley Scott said in the interview. Prometheus evolved into a whole other universe. You've got a person with a head in a bag that, which of course is Michael Fassbender's character, that functions and has an IQ of 350. It can explain to her how to put the head back on the body, and she's going to think about that long and hard because once the head is back on his body, he's dangerous. He went on to say, I wish it was that easy. They're going off to paradise, but it could be the most savage, horrible place. Not only that, but we still got to answer who are the engineers. He also elaborated on Blade Runner saying, it's not a rumor, it's happening. With Harrison Ford, I don't know yet. Is he too old? Well, he was a Nexus 6, so we don't know how long he can live. And that's all I'm going to say at this stage. So, you never know. We may get to see Howard, um, Howard, (laughs) Harrison Ford in a in a Blade Runner movie, but I honestly would like to see the expansion of the Prometheus universe because, like I said, there's so many stories, so many unanswered questions. The engineers, of course, what happened at the end of Prometheus, and where does that take us as well? Which, if you haven't seen Prometheus, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But the ending itself, besides her leaving with the with the cyborg head, there's there something else that was very telling and very very cool happened at the end. And that's what I would really like to see elaborated on going forward. But we'll see how it pans out. Obviously, the concept of a sequel is definitely strong. So we may see that sooner rather than later. Now, this last bit of, this last bit of news you may is definitely in the, in the what the fuck movie news category. But it also is just a testament to the, to the fact that people will watch anything if it's fun. Get this. The LA Times released a report that The Expendables 2 has outgrossed both The Dark Knight Rises 
and the amazing Spider-Man in China. The movie grossed 54 million in the country. It made more than Batman, which made 52, and Spidey, which made 48. That's how crazy that is, that The Expendables 2 dethroned Batman and Spider-Man. Which is, which is insane. The Expendables here in the U.S. did $84 million, compared to the $445 million the Dark Knight Rises, the Dark Knight Rises made, and the $262 million that The Amazing Spider-Man made. So that shit is crazy. But, of course, the Avengers outgrossed all three of those movies. So that's a separate case in its own. But, but how does the Expendables outgross the Dark Knight and the Amazing Spider-Man in China? Who the fuck knows? But I will tell you this. If it's fun and it's enjoyable, people will watch it. Simple as that. Slick messaged me about Prometheus. Uh, the alien has nothing to do with the continuum unless the planet is inhabited. It's not supposed to be. Okay. All right. That was just directed towards me, so I'm not going to share that on air. Simple as that. But yeah, The Expendables 2, serious money in China. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this brings us to the end of our journey. This wraps up the show for this week. So let's, let's wrap things up and get the hell out of here. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 158 for Thursday, October 11th, 2012. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio or on a future installment of MTR Behind the Mic or MTR Beyond the Mic, feel free to email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. Social networks, we are all over the place. You can find us on Twitter at MyTakeRadio. Find us on MySpace. Become a fan on Facebook. Add us to your circle on Google+. You can, also hit, you can also hit us up with questions on Formspring, or you can call our feedback line 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. Please make sure to specify if you don't want your voicemails played on air. As always, you can get episodes of My Take Radio not only through Blog Talk Radio, but also through Stitcher, iTunes, Zoom Marketplace, TuneIn Radio, and we were be, we were syndicated on Futurecast Media, but there seemed to be some personal issues, well, some personal and personnel issues going on over there. So for the time being, our simulcasting with Futurecast Media is on hold. But again, you can get the show on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Zoom Marketplace, or through any other podcatching services. You can also subscribe to MyTakeRadio.com via RSS, and we publish episodes there as well last but not least if you want the full mtr experience i recommend you pick up the official my take radio app available for your ios and android devices it's a dollar 99 gives you access to the shows in 96k stereo plus our exclusive interview series mobile wallpapers and tons of other cool stuff as well so you can pick that up like i said in the amazon marketplace for android and via itunes for your ios devices All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this week. I will catch you guys next week. Who is going to take us out is the question. I'm thinking we're going to go with Street Fighter 2, Frets of Fury, and the artist for that is Vertex Guy. You can get that song and any of the other music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, dot O-R-G. Catch you guys next week. 
Thursday, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.